Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Oh, Dave, what a happy day. Because this is going to be a good one, brother. And Craig. Doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, WWF Legacy of Hulk Hogan. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on the link tree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And anything we talk about is inspired by the WWE Network. So do yourself a favor and get your free month today to watch anything WWE, WCW, ECW, and more. Guys, I have a feeling this is a special episode. Yeah, What's what's going on today? This is 100, our 100th episode. And actually, I'm not the one that came what? up with this topic. It's that guy uh, with the freshly shaved head. Brother. Kaczynski. Was it me, brother? From the very beginning, we well, we had this one listener that would always leave comments and shit on YouTube saying, <laughs> like, you guys, all you guys ever do is talk about Hogan, for God's sakes. And so, and we didn't realize that we were always talking about him. But, you know, it's kind of hard not to mention him when you do legacies of, like, the sure. warrior flair savage and whatever so uh so we cuz always joked early on going our 100 episode has to be of hogan and i was actually the biggest hulkamaniac here i was always against it because i'm like yep. dude, that episode's gonna be 19 hours like there's no Last way surprise. in one so i i have mentally anguished over this episode for the last c- couple of months knowing that our 100th episode was coming and uh going no we're not gonna i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna fucking do it. we're gonna do something else but I was like, no, we have to do it. Like, we have to. So I said, all right, we'll split it up then. I, I don't, I could have easily just said, let's do part one, part two, part three. But like, I, really, to do a legacy of him, legitly, the episode would be three and a half to four hours long. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um. So I just decided to do, let's just do the beginning up until 1993 when he left after his loss to Yokozuna. And then we'll come back at another time. Maybe we'll episode 200. It. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah episode 200 will be <laughs> the NWO. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> in We're two nine years, years old, join us back here. Yeah. Build up the storyline to it, you know. <laughs> oh man! Oh, so, WWE uh, Mania, we'll do it. Yeah, we t- we tell storylines the way WWF used to tell storylines a year ago. You yeah, plan it out a year or so in advance. But uh, so we'll start out here. Baby steps, baby steps into the Hulk Hogan legacy. There's yeah, plenty right. to cover here. It's our 100th episode. Uh, thanks everybody who has listened. Uh, our audience has seemingly grown over the last couple of months, thanks to advertising on Instagram and YouTube. Craig, Why I know you, you were not say it's just that good. Why do you got to bring up advertising? Listen, listen, we uh, <laughs> it's the, pretty the best yeah, advertisers, the best building the brand, building the brand. Uh, <laughs> pretty decent. Boy. Craig, Craig, you were not here for, for episode one. I don't even remember what episode Craig yeah. joined in, to be honest. He's a phony. Glad, yeah. glad <laughs> you were, wow. I'm just kidding. Good I'm Lord. Just kidding. That's horrible. Again, he was a groupie originally. We brought him in. You know. I mean, you yeah. can honestly say like it didn't get popular until Craig joined. Just he saying. was a groupie. That's true. I was like, yeah. I was like, just waiting outside been... the door every episode. I'd be like, how'd it go, guys? How'd your episode go? Like, we've we've all... at my house again, yeah. dude. You're in Tennessee. Why do you, I, I why seem, do you fly out I here? seem to remember yeah. a distinct conversation. He's like, um, do you want your shit to be good? Or do you want to just keep fucking around? And he's like, I was like, it got really quiet. And he's like, just, just <laughs> That's what, I'm pretty sure that's and, the, and then I slam a hand on the table and said, that's how you do radio. <laughs> he fit in. He fit in perfectly. He's like, know. just listen. So welcome, Craig, uh, to our 100th episode. Uh, yeah. So a lot of milestones here. And we're going to. He was there every step of the way. Craig right here. I'm telling you. 
Another milestone is I have requested off the air to do the narration of this episode because that he did. Hulk Hogan is my yeah. bag. And uh, yeah. so I figured I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to be worse than Dave. I'm going to go ahead and say that out loud, like off the top. So please bear with me and jump in. So if you don't can. like it, blame Jess. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and, and like I said off air, Jess, you know, since you're going to be narrating it, I have to take after Shawn Michaels in the 2005 SummerSlam match against Hogan, where he purposely sabotages. I'm going to be bumping around and overselling and everything in this episode. As is obvious by your Macho Man <laughs> t-shirt on a Hulk Hogan episode. I choose to ignore that. Yeah, that's horrifying. Uh, yeah. And I'm just going to interrupt with like controversies of, of, his, of his life and lawsuits and stuff, like as it related to. <laughs> yeah, that's why I that figured I should narrate. Really fun. Yeah, I would all. just rather narrate and hide behind that, so I would you guys can just go nuts if you want to. But uh, I'm just going to jump in because we have a long road here. We'll talk about yep. uh, our feelings of him and this run at the end of it. Uh, so I'm just going to start out uh, with the early years here. Terry Eugene Bollea was born on August 11th of 1953, which makes him. 67 years old here in 2021. Wow. Uh, I'm going to be 44 years old in March of this year. I've been Jeez. watching wrestling and watching Hulk Hogan for 34 years. And when I wrote that note earlier this week, I was like, he is sick. We're saying right now that Hulk Hogan is 67 years old. Hulk, That's insane. Hulk Hogan. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Uh, Only two more born, years, brother. He was born in Augusta, Georgia, just so everybody knows. He moved to Tampa, Florida with his family at one and a half years old as a little boy. He took up pitching. In Saved, his Little League. Saved his life. Saved his life. He did. Sure. He took up pitching in Little League Baseball. Uh, he did attract some scouts. However, an early injury ended those hopes uh, to be <laughs> That seven-year-old six foot tall. <laughs> 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 yeah, like... He attracted the scouts all the wrong way. Look at the size of that fat fox. Whoa, like, I can't whoa. Believe look at him. <laughs> and then his parents were like, look at everyone. Look at you, Terry. He's like, okay, swing, Terry. batter, batter, swing. He's like, I guess, brother. He takes a walk every pitch because he's so large. <laughs> well, I guess, brother. <laughs> so at 16 years old, he began to watch professional wrestling, and he often attended live shows at the Tampa Sportatorium. It doesn't matter what city you live in, by the way. Everything was that Everybody city has a sportatorium at the end of it. The Los Angeles Sportatorium hosted many. So, yeah, that's silly. Uh, he loved Dusty Rhodes, and he said that actually many, yes. uh, if you choose to believe the words that come out of Hogan's mouth sometimes. Whoa. Uh, but I do choose to believe this one. He's He was a big Dusty Rhodes fan. He was very attracted to his. He was slammed him when I first met him. <laughs> you see, when I met Dusty Rhodes, so he was, was attracted to Dusty 700 Rhodes. Seven hundred pounds, I slammed him. Brother, what'd you say? You said he was attracted to Dusty Rhodes. Yes, yeah, he he liked yeah. Dusty. He was attracted to Dusty Rhodes' charisma yeah. and the character. Yeah. So uh, that's actually interesting because as kids when we were growing so up, we brother. we really remember. I mean, I just remember the NWA champion Dusty from Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines. I didn't grow up in. Uh, the Crockett promotions. I grew up in WWF. Really, the first glimpse we got of Dusty was Polka Dot Dusty. So when you think about that, and then Hogan saying, like, well, he inspired me. I watched him early. That's kind of crazy. That really puts it into context how long Dusty was around before yeah. Hogan even. Because uh, you think of Hogan, he's one of the biggest wrestlers ever. And not that Dusty's not, but as far as mainstream appeal, Hulk Hogan's a star. And, uh, and you can almost imagine them starting off at the same time, in a sense. Yeah, in a know, weird that's way. How, that's when I right. think about it, when I think back then. <laughs> he was. We just watched him from the locker room I'm wrestling. Like, I'm a huge guy, fan of that guy, Dusty. brother. Balea uh, <laughs> also took up uh, music, and he played bass guitar uh, for local bands. He dropped out of the community college that he enrolled in to start a career as a musician. 
Boy, so let's, over the place. So let, let's, I'm going to be a baseball let's player. Let's talk about that one for a second. Let's stop yeah. right here. Yeah. Let's just yeah. give this a moment to really, to really bask no, in all of this. So Hulk Hogan so far has been a horrible role model for children of future years. I'm going to be a baseball Whoa. player. And then I think I'm going to be a wrestler. And then I'm going to be a musician. You know the odds of all that. Terry, happening? you promised your father you'd go to college. Yeah, <laughs> he's a jack. Hey, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you I'm know, really if you good say at your bass guitar. And take Bob. your vitamins. You might be a musician or a wrestler no. or a baseball player. And you I'm pick. just thinking, it's totally um, fine. We always do the baby voices. I think Hogan had yeah, the same Google voice Gaga. even when he was an infant. But he's like, so even Hogan Google was a little Gaga. baby. He was like Goo Goo Gaga, like he was just ridiculous. Goo Gaga, brother. <laughs> With his fucking buck tooth. All right, get the so, get to the gym work. Jesus. He, he also I, began to work out at Hector's gym in the Tampa area where professional wrestlers would all often frequent. Uh, he would invite them to watch his band, which was called Ruckus, uh, play at the local bar. Jesus One night, Christ. two wrestlers by the names <laughs> of seat. Jack and Gerald Briscoe uh, came into the bar and were very impressed by Terry's physique. Hey, in 1976, they convinced him to train under Hiro Mansuta who worked for Championship Wrestling oh. from Florida or CWF. Uh, yeah, that story's coming up. Yeah, um, Still playing say. for his local band, he would often brag about out loud. Uh, so he agreed to train. Then, of course, he's still playing band gigs on the weekend, and he's, he would start bragging to people that he was going to become a professional wrestler, which when the wrestling school heard about that, they were pissed off Back because yeah. everybody that's big and impressive, and Hogan had already started to work out and you know probably looked pretty impressive. <clears throat> Obviously, he attracted Jack and Gerald Briscoe, like, oh, that guy can wrestle. So basically, the training camp, Hiro Mansuta, heard of that, and Mike Graham, who was the son of promoter Eddie Graham um, of the Florida Territory, heard about it and got pissed off. So basically, this is where that famous story comes in, where, according to Hogan, Mansuda got him into training one day and posted his leg and broke it. Basically sat down, put him in like a leg pretzel, kind of like, and then pulled his shin across his shin and yep. fra- fractured uh, Hulk Hogan's shin slash leg. So basically, he decided to um, take that time off. <laughs> uh, he wanted to take that time away to really think about committing. I That would make me com- think about life a lot at that point. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, he would actually quit his band, decide he wanted to become a professional wrestler, cut his hair, and come back in a more serious manner. I just, I just love how like some, it's some cool, blonde, though. some blonde haired kids, you know, bragging about being a wrestler, and some promoter sons like that guy bragged about it and broken leg, brother. Like that guy. I don't know why it's like he did it. Like some but, son hey, of some promoter he, that no one should even well, know, except for the fact that he broke that the though, future man, Hulk like, Hogan's leg. Is the People only reason shit. why Mike Graham will ever be known for anything is an entire life. I'm sorry, keep going. People I, I really shit am to not Hogan. a fan of Mike Graham. I'm such a I, fan of Mike Graham. Okay. No, I said I'm, I'm, I'm not. People a fan give of Mike shit Graham. about Hogan. No. They, you know, talk shit about him. But then it's like that right there. That if that doesn't show you he loved, you know, he loved what he was about to get into, and and he loved it throughout his whole career. I mean, not many people would get their leg broken. He, and come he, back to school. perseverance. Yeah. He fucking showed heart. Yeah. He fucking. Yeah, I got it. I feel you on that. But I, but I also think Mike there. Graham's a sack of donkey dicks. Yeah, but hey. well, yeah. I've never, I've, I've never been a fan of Mike Graham at all. Like, it, if you watch any of his shoot interviews, unfortunately, he has passed away. He's like, yeah. He's but, like, yeah. I got Hogan's leg broke. So what? You want to fight about it? I broke up the band ruckus. Yeah. So what? I did it. Yeah, it was me. What are you going to do? If you watch any of his shoot interviews, like, I sort of got, he's just like that. Everything is just, he's so fucking negative and he's so just like, Big yeah, whatever. Want to fight about it? 
But Mike Graham was all of like, I'm Mike he Graham. was, I think, legally four foot tall. Like, so it was just, <laughs> the, the joke was literally on him. Um, I hope this is the same Mike Graham I'm talking about, but it has to hey, be. Hey, made Hogan what he was today, you know? Made so Hogan want to fucking I fight. Guess. On August 10th, 1977, which was the year that I was born, wow. the greatest day in history happened when oh my. Terry Bollea made his wrestling debut. <laughs> Uh, against B. Brian Blair, of all people. That's conspiracy theory right there. For, for the CWF, <laughs> which is the Florida-based promotion. Uh, he would also wear a mask and be called the Super Destroyer in that promotion. Yeah, but Easily his best gimmick. I don't know why he changed. Um, Super Destroyer. Eventually, he would grow tired of Graham and Mensuta because they were very <laughs> controlling. They were very assholey-ish, um, if I may add my own uh, well, he did break phrase his in there. I mean... uh, so he would leave the Florida promotion. Uh, in 1978, Terry would once again take a step back to think about dedicating his life to wrestling because the pay wasn't very good. So I think he was starting to, I uh, maybe I should go back and work at the docks. Maybe I should. that's everybody's default job, by the way. I, w- I worked at the docks after. Like I think you kind of have to. <laughs> what, every, is, what is that? Every song? movie Daddy's is like that. So, didn't, didn't Rocky work at the docks before? Rocky like he got, docks, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bon Jovi sings about it. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> So in 1978, Terry would once again take a step. Or sorry, I already said that. He had to rethink his life. Uh, He took a job in the meantime as the manager of a private nightclub in Cocoa Beach, Florida, called the Anchor Club. And it was there that he met Ed Leslie, who would go on to become Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake, to quote (laughs) Conrad Thompson. Uh, The two became really good friends, worked out together. Belia then suggested that Ed get into wrestling and they could be a tag team together. Uh, they re- they they would they would form a team. It's a horrible name. <laughs> Terry and Ed Boulder, the Boulder brothers. <laughs> and at that point, he called superstar Billy Graham and asked if he can get a job in the Alabama territory. You know, you know what? Graham you know what that accepted. sounds like? I'm such I'm such a dick. That sounds like the competing name what? for like Super Mario Brothers. The it's Boulder. Terrible. It is terrible. Like what, they're, what they're pitching just, names. They're like, nah, we're going with Super Mario. What? It's what yeah, if Hogan just wanted to here. call themselves the Boulders, but he says brother after everything? So they said, and then Terry came up with Boulder Brothers. <laughs> He's like, no, I meant Boulder. Brother. <laughs> no, I meant Boulder Brother, but he can't help me. He's getting, <laughs> but I mean Boulder Brother. Yeah, Boulder Brothers. Yeah, Boulder Brother. No, Brother. Boulder Brother. Oh, yeah, Boulder Brother. No, Brother. <laughs> I need a name. Who's on? It's like who's yeah. on first all over again. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to okay. call Superstar Billy Graham. And then he picked up an no, Joke. And he goes, come on down, brother. Come on, brother. So superstar Billy Graham. Oh, the brothers, brothers, bowlers, brothers, bowlers, bowlers, brother. Come on in, bring your brother with your brother. He's your fake brother, but he's your real brother. Come on, brother. All right. Superstar Billy Graham ties in in a negative way later in Hogan's career. But early on, he was responsible for bringing Hogan to Alabama, getting him out of Florida, giving Hogan kind of a different outlook on the sport in general. Shortly after, Terry would meet Jerry. Lawler, the king of professional wrestling, and go to work for Jerry Jarrett's Memphis Territory. So, <laughs> Craig, hmm. we so I bought this VHS tape years ago, <laughs> uh, and it was put put out by people yeah, that going. did not work for the WWF. So Vince, at the time, now he does; he owns the world. Vince owns me personally, uh, but now, uh, but back then, Vince did not own the footage from the AWA or like the Memphis area. So there was this generic VHS tape I had to have gotten from like a fucking swap meet or something. And it was just like Hulk Hogan's greatest hits. And it was a picture of him clearly not from the yeah, WWF yeah. era. And I got this like in 92, 93. Um, so it was like some of his AWA footage. It was some of his Memphis stuff. And it's the most ridiculous footage of Hogan facing Jerry Lawler it was the entire match. 
And the announcer talked like this, like about everything. So, oh my! All I remember is Jerry Lawler coming down on a white pony, legitly, that he <laughs> borrowed from Ricky Steamboat. Obviously, okay. Yeah. I was gonna and say, why are you so mad at Steamboat when he can, I'm on not? Ponies. Joe hates Steamboat. I don't. I love Steamboat. <laughs> I love ponies. So he came down on this white horse or whatever, and Hogan was a heel here. And I will never. Craig and I used to laugh all the time because <coughs> during Jerry's comeback, Hogan would beat him down, and then Jerry Lawler would take a strap down and start the comeback. And during that, the announcer, not like energized at all, was just like, and Lawler letting the Hulk know he means business. And meanwhile, the crowd's going crazy. Lawler's just fucking throwing things. And the announcer would yeah. just not budge on it. And so I don't know why I thought about that. Like the Memphis Because for 30, for 25 years, all That's we do out of nowhere is, and Lawler, <laughs> letting the Hulk know. And this VHS tape, like I believe it had even just a cartoon of him on the front. And it only yeah. had three matches in the whole thing. Go all her up, pounding away with that right hand. And Lawler. No, regardless of the outcome of this one, he is in a battle. And it was, um, yeah, it was all just, and it was not like one specific territory. So it was whatever this company bought for, yeah, we'll got matches yeah. from it. It was terrible. Just, Check it out on the on the WWE. Did Hogan, did Hogan even get a move <laughs> no, in, question. or what was the deal? Yes, he like, did. Well, he did. He got the beat down on the King, and then the King got pissed and started coming back. And the announcer yeah. let you know by it by going and Lawler. Lawler. Hey like, Jess, <laughs> question. Yes. Was this when uh, when he, when he when he was Terry the Hulk Boulder? Is that when he started doing the the uh, the the blue trunks and the white bandana? No. This was oh, when, this yet. was a, this is when Hogan was still a heel. That. Hogan was still a heel well, here because did I was going to say you, you gave that, me a, um, a VHS for my fifth birthday, and it was I want to say he was wearing a blue 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 trunks. No, he was that was WWF. He still wore blue yeah, trunks in WWF for a bit. But the, uh, real, no, the real question is, did did, the outlaw, uh, did that the announcer call Hulk Hogan the WWE champion at that at that time? No, no. he was not <laughs> the WWE champion yet. Wait, because I'm I'm trying to uh, figure out. He fought the outlaw, a guy named the outlaw. I'm sorry, he might, he might have worn. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, no, that, that, I, I'm just trying to remember what that came I'm from. Terrible. It was, it was a whole tape he that. gave me. I don't know if it was. He might have, and he might have been a heel on the blue tights for sure. Like he might have been, yeah. But he, he was Wait, a heel still. Um. So, but during this day, this is kind of when it started. The things that were very significant to his career started uh, coming in during his stay in Memphis. He was put on a local talk show to advertise an upcoming house show loop that Memphis was doing. Also on that show was famous bodybuilder and current star of the hit television series, The Incredible Hulk, uh, oh. Lou Ferrigno. Ooh, yeah. Everybody knows Lou Ferrigno. He's a famous bodybuilder. Super, yeah. He's, he was original Incredible Hulk. The show host commented <clears throat> on how big Terry was and that he actually dwarfed The Incredible Hulk. So Belay at the time was legitly six foot seven and 295 pounds. With legit twenty four inch biceps, like and well, that to was be fair, Bollea drank line. a lot more beer than you know the Incredible. So you had guys like Schwarzenegger and and uh, Lou Ferrigno back here, even further if you go back in time. They were known oh, yeah. as bodybuilders, you know, for the most part. And then he played the part of the big Incredible time. Hulk. So you think, oh, gigantic man, and he was. I'm sure he was. I mean, he looked big, but he wasn't very t- like very tall. Um, as a result, he began to wrestle as Terry the Hulk Boulder. 
So everything kind of started to, they stole the name. He took that talk show host saying that. I mean, what better marketing uh, that they had at that point than going like, dude, the talk show host just said you were bigger than Lou Ferrigno, which is known for being, that's, he's known for being big and was, he's known for playing that's the a incredible great rub. role. So Hogan, get you sued now, but that's okay. Well, that'll, that will come later, actually. Whoa. So he adapted the name, the Hulk here. Uh, now we're going to get into his world, first World Wrestling Federation stint, his AWA stint, and his New Japan Pro Wrestling stint from 79 to 85. In 1979, Terry Funk, of all people, would introduce Terry Balea to Vince McMahon Sr. about working for the WWF that would just change its name from WWWF. Uh, mouthful, Vince, Vince Sr. wanted him to be an Irish heel wrestler <clears throat> and gave him the last name of Hogan. Uh, so he also wanted him to dye his hair red. Hogan declined because he was already self-conscious about his hair falling out. So he agreed to lighten his hair and make it more blonde and just be kind of like a blonde Irish heel, which I find funny because don't you damage your hair more when you just bleach it? But I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I you're right. You're right. Not, you're not good for you. Yeah. I don't know how they did it back then, but he agreed to brother. do that. So there it is. Like now he has the last name Hogan because he was this Irish heel and he already had the nickname the Hulk because he was called by a talk show host. You're bigger than the guy who plays the Hulk. So it's kind of all starting to... Um, fall into place here um in his first appearance at madison square garden terry the hulk hogan would defeat ted dibiase of all people after the match hogan would go out of his way to track dibiase down in the locker room thanked him for putting him over and said i owe you keeps going around with ted dibiase now he has him in a bear hug and it could be over it's over So, the fabulous Hulk Hogan, victorious in his very first appearance here in Madison Square Garden, a hard-fought battle all the way with Ted DiBiase, who unquestionably showed tonight this capacity crowd, he's one of the great competitors, there's no doubt about it. Which would actually he never come back. paid him back. No, he did pay him back. Hulk Hogan... <laughs> Not, not, not by I'm dropping kidding. the belt to him. You're right, actually. <laughs> if you think about it, win-loss rise, you're right. Like, he's he all bumping like Shawn Michaels. You're right. Fine. You don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to put me over, brother? When he got hired in the WWF, he's like, he's going to give me the title. And Hogan's like, that's not what I meant. I meant yeah. just, <laughs> I meant I would I would rent you a car on one of the loops that we did. I mean, brother, you're going to make up your own title, brother. Later on. That's nah, I'll get you a hotel room. <laughs> During this time, uh, he would also wrestle Bob Backlund for the WWF Championship. Unsuccessfully, he would be begin his feud with Andre the Giant. With classy Freddie Blassie as his manager, he would face Andre at the Shea, the famous Shea Stadium House show in 1980. I want to say the main event of that was Bruno San Martino and Larry Zabisco, which Zabisco still brags about to this day. as like the greatest. Yes. Oh, right. So that's WrestleMania three then, that night? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Despite We're the hype that Logan Andre... They feuded when Hogan was a heel and Andre was a face way back here in 19. That's what I'm saying. People don't. I was gonna say oh, don't yeah. Andre was a face for like most of his career at this moment. Uh, yeah. So this happened. is when this is when him and Hogan <laughs> first uh, they they <laughs> got together in the ring together. Um, in 1980, Hogan also been to, uh, touring New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he had the nickname Ichiban there, which meant number one, uh, which uh, meant beer campinas. Number um, one Ichi. <laughs> number oh. one Ichiban. So Ichiban, uh, brother. You know. But he was allowed to go over here. New Japan Pro Wrestling was a big part of his legacy here in the beginning oh, yeah. uh, because he got to tour. And that's important. We always talk about on past episodes that 
It's important for wrestlers to get seasoned, to go to different promotions. And going back in this day, especially going to Japan was a very big deal. You learned just a different way. You learned a stiffer form. You learned just a different part of the art form. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think that about Hogan. Um, uh, we're going to get to a significant uh, milestone that he hits here in the Japan promotion a little bit later. But yes, people who are fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling now and you like everything you've seen, Hulk Hogan is a part of the legacy. I know yep. it hurts. Oh God! No, smart no, he is. Oh, Hogan, I know it hurts he, for all the smart. No, it, I don't think him. it does. That's I think where he proved people wrong is, that he can't work. Yeah, this, this is yeah exactly right. This is I think this is something that needs to be kind of stated here. People look at Hogan, they look at the bubblegum rock and roll era wrestling of Hogan, and then the NWO version of Hogan where he's that heel that never gets touched. And like, oh my God, Hogan just he just he just trounced through his career. No, he didn't. If Hogan had to wrestle, he could. He could do a lot more than you ever saw if you really took the time to look it up and find it. Um, well, the, the 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 work that he would do in Japan, <clears throat> would, we would go back and watch it. I'm like, damn, just I didn't even know he could do stuff like that. I didn't know he was capable of stuff like that. Um, and and it really kind of changes your opinion about him. It wasn't just get your ass kicked for 20 minutes and then you know Hulk up and give him the boot, give him the leg drop, and walk out. He he did some serious work for a long time. Before all this came into fruition, that's that's why I bring up the the fact that he uh, powered through after getting his leg broken. I mean, you know, people talk shit on Hogan, but he went through all that. He had to sit there and think about it, like they said, and he fucking persevered. He fucking he said, "No, I'm still gonna fucking do it. I don't care that I got my leg broken and that I'm probably gonna get my ass whooped more through training after this." You you know, I think this is the worst of it. No way, brother. But he still fucking pulled through, and then his work in New Japan—that's just credit to him, man. Like. You, for, you forget, you forget, you always, you know, as much as yeah. we joke, you, know, you always think of Hogan as the guy always in control in the back. But listening to this, we, I mean, we've been going on 20 minutes now and he's, he's, he's paying his dues. He's been asked to be an he's Irish legit. guy, dyed his beer red, changed his trunks. Uh, and he's popped, uh, from Federation to Federation and met everyone from funk to, uh, uh, to dusty to everyone to superstar Billy Graham. It's a heck of a beginning. Like it's, it's good to hear. Uh, this beginning of him to kind of cleanse the palate and remember that he was just a guy starting out at one point and yeah, really trying to learn the business. Yeah, yeah he's legit. Go ahead, Jess, soak it all in. We, you know, we're, we're propping him up. This here, is the, here, 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 here comes, here comes where it all becomes. <laughs> this is the uh, greatest moment of my life right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, in 1981, <laughs> in 1981, Hulk Hogan was contacted by Sylvester Stallone about playing uh, part of a pro wrestler in the upcoming uh, Rocky Three uh, movie. When uh, you wonder if you come down, but that sounds like a bad idea, Jess. And if I was a promoter, I would not like let him <laughs> I would, uh, do this Hollywood funny. thing. It'll just totally. I would not let him do that, Jess. It's funny you say that, Craig, because when uh, Hogan approached Vince Senior about taking time off to play the role, Vince told him that he did not share his wrestlers with Hollywood, and that's not what they did in professional yep. wrestling. So, Hogan can you give me a Vince Senior good. impression real quick, Jess? Was that I wouldn't even Jesus. know. Yeah, it's the same as. <laughs> I, I get the feeling it was different. Like he was like, I do not share. My yeah, wrestlers. no, I believe you're right. Actually, he was just known for like jiggling quarters in his pocket. That was like everybody always he was like. Well, about. I don't. I just don't think that I. Terry, share I just my don't think that's safe. Them. Like he's just very. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, I can't condone that. Well, Terry, just, some man. southern guy. Yeah, he's just some southern like. We're a real sport. That's Hollywood. <laughs> sounds like sounds like sounds like Jared Cena right now. Oh, Cogan, what are you doing huh? there, son? Well, I don't uh, think. What kind of example would that set for my son if I just let you run amok? No, you're staying right <laughs> Thunder here. lips? Uh-uh. 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 <laughs> so, 
Hogan had to make the tough decision to defy McMahon's orders and leave the company to film the movie. That Worst was kind of big when decision you think about ever. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it really, 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 it really set him back for me, a while, brother. didn't it? Listen, if you think about it back then, though, he was at a crossroads, right? Like, you don't know. Like, you really didn't know. Like, what what part is it? I'm going to play a pro wrestler. And, and that's, yeah, you're going to be in a Stallone movie. Awesome. You're going to be in Rocky. You're going to be, ready. not, but not Rocky, but Rocky 3. It's pretty yeah, Rocky 3. At this point. So, uh, and th- this is when he first mes- met Mr. T, by the way, on a side note, which we'll get into that later as well. So it's weird. Everything kind of connected. If he didn't do this movie, I'm sure Stallone would have got some other big actor or something like that. But Hogan's impressive physique here. Again, six foot seven, 295 pounds, long blonde hair, tan, young. He was goddamn I, I, th- I think that's the point, right? Because, you know, Andre might be more over at this point. Blasco you know, might be more over at this point. But yeah. But but Sly was watching wrestling and said, "Who's oh, that man. guy? Or, Who's that guy?" Um, and I got to get him on the screen. And there, I mean, I, you know, there, there's something to be said about working hard and making the right decisions. But then there's just like I am, I am this man that's six seven and I'm three hundred pounds, and I look better than anybody on Vince Senior's roster at that point. And Sly gave him a direct phone call. Yeah, based on physique alone. Yeah. So he got he got done with that. He filmed the movie back here. You know, nowadays you film a movie and then fucking tomorrow it comes out. And you can stream it on demand back here. They filmed it like it took months to film. It took another couple months for post-production. It took almost a year uh, for a movie to come out after they filmed it here. So Hogan had to fill some time between. So he calls Vern Gagne and he goes to work for uh, AWA, which is the American Wrestling Association based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Vern Gagne, who was the owner, made Hogan a heel. And put him with Johnny V, which we knew from Luscious Johnny V from the WWF, uh, as a manager. That didn't last very long because the fans started to cheer him. Now, this is before the movie came out. Uh, fans started to cheer him because of his size and his yeah. look. Uh, so they turned him face later that year. And he went by the name The Incredible Hulk Hogan at that point. So now it's all starting to happen name-wise. It's starting to uh, all take place here. People are starting to recognize him. Like they're starting to look at him and go, that guy's impressive. I would like to. I would like to be him. And so people would start actually cheering nah. for him. So um, in 1982, <laughs> after the release of Rocky Three, Hogan began to get contacted by talk shows. One of the talk shows, Johnny fucking Carson, went out of his way to personally try to track Hogan down and say, I want that wrestler from Rocky on my show. That's insane. For people who don't, late night talk shows now. Johnny are was really, it, man. Johnny Carson was the man like back in the day. So Actors and actresses would go out of their way to try to get on his show to promote their vehicles or whatever. Stand-up comedians would talk about, if you listen to any veteran stand-up comedian, oh man, when you got invited on Johnny Carson, you fucking made it. You made it. And on top of that, if he said, if he waved you over to the couch to talk to him for a few minutes, you were even bigger. He's going out of his way to get And it wasn't always where you got waved to the couch. This big wrestler, you know, that was in Rocky Three, made such an impact. He's like, I gotta have that guy on. So Hulk Hogan fucking was on Johnny Carson. I see. Take my desk. (laughs) Are you Hulk? (sighs) (laughs) Does he want the little the little footstool? We have a footstool, but I don't. (laughs) Don't even say that. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You are one good-sized person. Thank you. Thank you. One big man. Uh, what do I call you? Uh, Hulk, Mr. Hogan? Uh, Mr. Your Hogan, Honor, Mr. sir? Mr. Hogan will be fine, definitely. Mr. Hogan. Uh, how, how many... Ro- like, in, in 1982, to talk about Rocky and all that stuff. So, of course, at that point, Vern <laughs> Gagne, of all people, is just like, 
yeah, like, uh, I'm going to make you a face. And he started putting him uh, against Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA championship. Um, Bobby Heenan was Nick Bockwinkle's, man- was Nick Bockwinkle's manager at this point. Although Hogan would come close, he would never quite win the title. They would do these shenanigan endings where, like, Heenan would throw Bockwinkle the knuckles. Hogan would intercept the knuckles, punch Nick in the face, pin him. The crowd would go nuts. Hogan would drop the brass knuckles when he stood up to celebrate. And he would be, oh, and Hogan would be disqualified. So Bockwinkle would barely escape by the skin of his teeth or pants or ass or whatever. Down he goes. Here comes Hogan. Here is the leg smash. Here is the cover. Here is the count. One, two, three. It's all over. Hulk Hogan has done it. Hulk Hogan is the champion. Hulk Hogan has defeated Nick Bockwinkle. He has the belt. The king. That that gets old after a while. Maybe the first couple matches that was fine. After a while, Hogan was just more of like, um, you know, I I want the title. Like, I mean, you hear the crowd. Like, now I'm famous from Rocky. Like, the people are coming out. People were coming out. Hogan was so big because, he started and just you know you need to make sure it's clear when you have the title here in the, in these particular organizations that means you're top guy that's top booking that's top money it's important it's well, not and, just the title yeah and Vern was more very protected Vern Gagne was known for only putting the title on himself or someone who he really fucking trusted and Hogan was kind of greenish still here had only been in the sport for like four years maybe five at this point and so he didn't really trust him. And but Hogan, in the meantime, started calling his fans Hulkamaniacs, coined the phrase Hulkamania, started making his own T-shirts that he was selling out of at these events. So he was on fire and he was like, look, all signs point to put the belt on me, brother. But Ganya still drug his feet. So in 1982, Vince McMahon's son would purchase the territory from him. Vincent Kennedy McMahon had a vision of taking his father's company and breaking the territory boundaries and going national. He needed somebody that would capture the attention of the casual and non-wrestling fans. I so heard in, it failed miserably. It I was awful. I, I he wasted his dad's money. Uh, yeah, in, in 1983, <laughs> Hulk Hogan was flown to Vince McMahon's home where Vince laid out his plan to dominate the wrestling industry and transform wrestling into the entertainment juggernaut that we know. Hogan was the piece. Vince knew his fame from Rocky. Vince understood his look. Vince was like, you're the guy that I think that can translate everywhere else because think about it like there was nobody there was other guys that had good bodies like superstar billy graham but hogan was a little different and then when he gets on a mainstream movie vince is just like well i mean if he picked you out of a goddamn lineup to be on rocky three you have this natural appeal i need you like i'm gonna start my basically new company even though he was taking over his dad's legacy i'm gonna start it so this is when it gets really hairy hogan approached ganya and said, like, this, I'm going to be honest, I talked to Vince. He wants to do this and that and this. And Vern was like, ah, oh, whatever, like, it's not going to happen. I read in a lot of different places, too, that Vern actually thought it was just a ploy because even higher brass in the AWA were coming to him going, no, he's going to go work for Vince Jr. And Vern's like, oh, you guys are just all on Hogan's side. I get it. He's popular. He's making a lot of money. I get it. Like, whatever. You want me to put the title on him? I, I'm calling your bluff. So Hogan pretty much was just like, no, I'm going to go. If you don't put the title on me, I'm going to leave. And he was like, well, I'm not going to put the title on you. I don't want to. So Hogan uh, um, decided I'm going to go work for Vince and told him. And the whole thing he thought was a bluff. So finally, um, Vern Gagne told him, 
I'm going to put the AWA title on you because like, ah, okay, you're going to leave, blah, blah. No, you're not. You're going to stay here. I'll put the belt on you. Fine. You called my bluff. I called your bluff. Let's do it. And then Hogan's like, well, what are you going to give me? And he was like, well, I mean, you're going to make more money than you ever have, but here's the deal. I want a cut of all your merchandise. I want a cut of all your Japan bookings because at the same time, Hogan was still touring in yeah, Japan for wrestling at this point. So Hogan's like, okay, I mean, cool. I'm going to be making more money than I've ever made before, but I don't want to give you 20% of my Japan bookings. I don't want to give you, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, I don't want I that shit. Like there. I'm doing it right now. Like uh, why would I do that? So he was just like, well, that's, that's the thing. Take it or leave it. So he was like, well, I'm leaving and I'm going to work for Vince and Vern still was stubborn like about it and didn't believe it until the very end where, um, uh, Hogan declined. He decided to go work for Vince. Uh, Vern thought he called his bluff. He didn't. Hogan left the company immediately at that point because he already put in his notice. But Vern's like, so, okay, you're really fucking going. You're going to put in your notice, right? He's like, dude, I have been this entire time. You just wouldn't believe me. So it, Hogan got the bad rap here of just leaving the territory. But Hogan at that point was like, well, now I'm definitely leaving because you're going to fucking shoot on me or you're going to job he me never, out. Like, and he and never I, held yeah. the title. So what, what's the issue? Right. You're not you're not doing you're not what, really. Causing what's crazy to think about that is that WWF had him first. They lost him. He, he Hogan started making the name for himself. Like you mentioned the Hulkamania and Hulkamaniacs and everything. Yeah. He was called on, uh, you know, hey. shows by all different TV hosts and new and Rocky uh, three. Hey, under and, new management, bro. And, but then it's, it's matters, crazy right? to think that like then he made his way back like the chances of everything happening and, and perfectly happening. Hogan could have went somewhere else. Hogan, you know, er, something could have had happened different. And the fact that they have had him and then they lost him, and then they, they the, got him back. It's, it's crazy to think about it. Actually, the, everything, I'm everything sure that happened. It, yeah. Cause it's a classic argument of VKM versus Hogan who made who. And we'll probably, I mean, Hogan later, sounded like but, he was making himself before. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah, thing. yeah, no. Well, when sure. a lot of people, you know, in the in the you know the lead up to WrestleMania 19, which was Hogan versus Vince and Tony years in the making, and you know Vince coined the phrase "I made Hulkamania and I'm going to kill it," and and it just in the industry people just started buying into that. Well, Vince made Hulkamania, and I'm like, no, he was calling himself Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, and Hulkamaniacs, and selling his T-shirts. Years the shitty, It was a shitty T-shirt with black letters that said Hulk hyphen A hyphen Mania. That's what it was, and he was selling out of them. He was doing it hey. himself. Hey, that's a great shirt, Jess. So Vince, I would love to get my hands on one of those, to be honest. Right. Um, so Vince basically was like, look, I, I'm I'm going to take a percentage, but here's the deal. I'm going to make your merchandise. The D Titan Sports is going to make your merchandise, and you're going to get a cut. You don't have to do shit. Like, all you have to do is wear the shirt to the ring to advertise it. That's all you have to do. So Hogan was probably going to make a handsome living off just oh, yeah. his merchandise money from Vince. So, of course, he's going to go. Vern Gagne is one of those people that I give respect to, but I think he just, the times passed him by and he didn't realize it. He had this yeah. young, hot prospect right there. All he had to do was put the title on him and give him some money, and he didn't. He was more like, well, let's talk about more what I'm going to take from you if I put the AWA title on you, which is not the way you negotiate for somebody. If it's you just typical old promoter-like stuff. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Already, uh, Hogan's made two great decisions. To realize when he need, needed to jump ship from Vince McMahon Sr. to take that movie role and this moment right here, instead of kind of dying in the in Minnesota, probably losing to Greg Gagne for a couple <laughs> of years or whatever, like he finally realized, okay, I got to get out of here and go to Vince. So two fantastic career moves already for Hogan. Yeah, when you come when you're in a movie set with Sylvester Stallone, you realize the attention Johnny Carson. Like is calling you on his show and other talk show hosts. Like at that point, it's like I'm. He knew back then. Dare I say, and this is just me guessing, 
I think he knew he was bigger than the sport then. Like, even though he might not have been yet in his mind, he was just like, dude, look at I've got one bit role in one Hollywood movie. Like if people are just looking at me going like, yeah, come over here, come wrestle for me, come film for me, do whatever. I can fucking do this anywhere. Like, yeah, I, I, I you can call it arrogant. You can call it whatever you want. And I think he kept that attitude with him all the way through, which negatively affected him when he got older because he didn't again, you know, not everybody realizes when their time has come and gone or it's time for them to take a break. I think that Hogan knew here. I have value. I don't know the extent of it yet, but like, I'm not just going to say, thanks for putting that belt on my waist. And now you could just take everything from me, like everything that I've worked. Yeah. He might still make yearly more than he ever made if he agreed to Vern's deal, but he would lose all of his bookings from Japan or you know, 20% or 30% of it, whatever Vern was asking for. Like Vern was absolutely going to make out more like for sure. Like, so Hogan's like, hey, I got to go. Fuck this shit. Sorry. Like, and, and I have to say in the WWF produced uh, documentary of the history of the AWA, they were pretty honest with it. You know, they talked about what, how they thought Hogan was a little fucked up for leaving them. But at the same time, they were just like, he was, he was like already the biggest star ever. And none of us knew it except for him. And like, because he knew, fuck, like I'm getting all kinds of buzz. You, you should see it from my point of view. And yeah, he. He, he, was, he, bet, he bet on himself. For yeah, sure. he bet on himself big time. So the next, we're going to go into the World Wrestling Federation, the return in 1983, all the way through 1993. So we have an almost 10-year uh, span here. This is the part we're going to get into here. This is him. This is, th this first run, already in my opinion, and I know we're going to say this at the end, made him like the greatest wrestler of all time in the sense of biggest draw, like big, no one ever seen this kind of guy on a national level. And we're going to jump into it here in December of 1983. Hogan made his return to the WWF this time for Vince Jr. At a TV taping on January the 17th, he came down and saved Bob Backlund, who was being attacked by the wild Samoans in a post interview. Backlund told the audience that Hogan had changed his evil ways. He only wants to fight for good and for the fans. His ways. He's a great man. He's told me. He's not going to have Blasty around. I'm going to give him my hand and give him good luck. All right, Bob, you know something? I would like to thank Mr. Bob Backlund in the WWF for bringing the Hulkster back. But like they said, this is a different... I distinctly remember this interview, by the way, too, where it was like, real quick, Vince is like, you got to put him over? You got to, like, and pretty much back, but he's good. He's good. He hates Freddie Blassie. And it was this really ridiculous interview. You could tell it was just forced. Backlund's, like, being forced to pass the torches. And one of the funny... uh things in Hogan's book, which you could take with a grain of salt, whatever, was when Vince put him down and told him what I'm about to read to you guys here, that I'm, I'm going to put Hogan in your position. He's going to face Sheik for the title, and, you know, that's where we're going to go. That he said Bob Backlund was, you know, such an athlete. He was a wrestling purist, so he was really super pissed that this guy with no athletic background, no amateur wrestling background, is going to you're going to put the title on him? Because Senior would never do that. Vince Jr. was different. And he said mm -hmm. Bob Backlund, everybody knows Backlund, he has pale skin. And he broke out in hives because he was so upset. And he's just <laughs> explaining in front really? of Hogan with Vince right there. Like, you can't do this. This is terrible. And Vince is like, I really need you to put him over in this interview. He's going to do it. This is just what I'm going to do. There's no way wow. you can get me out of it. Yeah. And so I was like, God, you know, poor Bob Backlund, you know, just like. That's why he found really really all right. Bob Backlund, he did yeah. all right. Come on. He did. He had his time. Yeah, he, How was, many champion? he was champion yeah. for six he years. He held that for years. That's yeah. why he finally yeah. stamped on Brett, huh? On Raw? 
<laughs> That's right. Oh, right. Yeah, all right. that. <laughs> I love it's how Dave is not the same Bob Black, and we're talking. I love about. how Dave is not the narrator, but the it natural is. instinct of Dave is to be like, "Oh, shut the fuck up, guys! Just go on, Jess." Like, it's I love it. Yeah, I love it. Dave. Still has all that. right, all right. That's my all right. Yeah, you're on the other side, Dave. You can push yeah. Jess now. Make Jess uh, be uh, all right, guys. Yeah, we're done. Master. I've got my punches in. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So here we go. Madison Square Garden on January twenty first. 23rd, 1984, the Iron Sheik was scheduled to give Bob Backlund a title rematch because he defeated him a month earlier for the WWF Championship. Bob Backlund, who was injured by the Sheik in storyline, was not able to compete. Therefore, this cleared the way for Hulk Hogan to step in and defeat the Iron (laughs) Sheik to win. He was injured because of the hives. Yeah, the hives. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) He uh, defeated the Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden. So itchy. <laughs> he defeated the Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden to win his first WWF Heavyweight Championship. The Madison Square Garden crowd went absolutely insane. After the victory, Gorilla Monsoon famously said on commentary, Hulkamania is here. said will you stop and he goes oh stop and pat patterson was also commentator on this too and he was dreadful but whatever like oh patty pat it was one point where he was like i'm so excited i I can't believe what they're done and like that's literally how he was commentating on it jesus pat this was if you go back you know this this that minute that moment is played a lot where he drops the leg and he pins the sheik but if you go back and watch like the last two minutes of the match when he breaks out of the camel clutch and does all that that place was fucking loud. Like that was, and when he, when he drops the leg and pins him, go back and watch. You don't see it mm. anymore, right? Everybody, yeah. all twenty thousand people in that fucking building were jumping up and down, jumping up and down. Like it's a, it's you talk about big pops, and uh, it's it's I don't, nobody talks about big pops anymore because nobody gets them. I mean, really, because people are either so busy holding their phones or they're just not stars big enough. Go back and watch when he defeats the Iron Sheik for his first championship. This place went nuts. If there's any Vince, even back here, even all the risks that Vince is going to take going forward, we'll talk about just the decision to put the belt on Hogan. Like Vince had to be sitting back going, listen to that fucking place. Like this is this is the guy I needed. This is the guy that's going to take it nationally, because quite frankly, like Hogan the difference between everybody says, like I heard Jim Cornette recently kind of run Hogan's legacy down on his podcast. And I, I agree with a lot of what Jim Cornette says, but on this one, obviously I took exception. He, he said, well, Hogan didn't really take the business to places it had never been before because, you know, guys like Bruno and, you know, says they were so popular, right. In their territories, in their territories. Let me tell you why Bruno San Martino looked like an Italian because he was, he was hairy. He was in great shape. Like he really was uh, he always believed in that, but he had the Italian nose. He had the Italian everything, the Italian accent. He had everything. 
Like the 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 difference in that is he fit the territory. Vince Senior had the WWF just in the New York area, which was a heavily Italian populated area. When they would migrate over, they would be in Long Island, New York City. There was a heavy Italian population in the United States in those areas. So of course he was really popular and over. Do you think Bruno San Martino got the same reaction in Los Angeles? Do you think that Bruno San Martino mm. got the same reaction in San Francisco? He looked the part, Bruno San Martino. Hogan looked like we all wanted to look. So any man of any ethnicity, of any background, of whatever, can look at him and be like, I want long blonde hair. I want to be tan. I want to be six foot seven. I want to be him. I want to be him. That was the difference. You had territory stars, which they were Italian or you know, from Los Angeles, you had Freddie Blassie with the bleach blonde hair and I'm from the L.A. South. And, you know, yeah. And you had people from the South who were from the South and they had Southern accents and they had, you know, everything. You had the Von Erics who were, you know, like they were from Texas and that's where they were born and bred. And so that that's why they attracted Hulk Hogan was the first guy to be what everybody else wanted to be. No matter where you were from, he was the guy that you looked at and you're like, God, I fucking wish I was him. Like his size, his charisma, just him walking into a building like I've seen him live many times and his energy and his charisma is undescribable. It's even back then. So for people like Jim Cornette, God bless you. And I know you were in the industry and all that, but stop it to downplay Hulk. Even if especially if you're a Hulk Hogan hater, you should never downplay what he did for no. the industry because just yeah. like your enemies, right? Always know your enemy's strengths. Even if you don't like Hogan, you have to before you can hate him. You have to respect what he did I'm to simply say, I don't respect what he did or he did. He wasn't as big as everybody says he was. That's, that's insanity. Yeah, that's, that's stupid. Dumb. That's ignorance. That's just dumb. That's dumb to say. That's just that's asinine of Cornette to say that he didn't take the sport to, yeah. to heights. It hadn't been like to, to your point, Jess Hogan was like, if you sculpted all the best of America into a single like human being, he was like the. The Uberman, the Superman, like the 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 blonde, tanned, um, muscle man, super. He was larger than life. He was exactly like he was just if you made it a wrestler and just called him America, like the ideal or the ideal of what you America was. Yeah, that was Hogan immediately from the from day one. Everyone it's wanted to be Superman too, you know. Hogan, yeah, that was the wrestling version. Yeah. So Hogan caught fire, obviously, after winning the world title. He began to knock down territory walls with Vince and gain the attention of young and new wrestling fans, which is the point. Um, and Vern Gagne is like, he's coming back. He's coming back. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, a side story, too, if you believe the Iron Sheik, Iron Sheik, uh, who did work for Vern Gagne oh, for a yeah. while in the AWA, uh, actually said that he was called when he found out that Hogan was going to win the title, that Vern called the Iron Sheik and said, listen, if you if you really shoot on him and hurt him, because oh, Sheik was a legit was a legit amateur wrestler yep. here. So if you shoot on him and you hurt him, uh, that's going to cripple Vince because you're going to break his you know new cash cow's leg or whatever you're going to go after. Come over here, I'll give you a job, you know, and I'll give you a huge bonus to do it. But uh, Sheik's famous speech and his Hall of Fame speech was, but I I, I still had loyalty to Senior Vince McMahon Senior, yeah. so I will never I cut the that. hand that feeds me. Yeah. He said, I will never cut the hand that feeds me. Like, and he was like, so I had to tell Mr. Ganya, sorry, no. Like, so I give Sheik a lot of that. That that was the underbelly of wrestling back here. I know we it's phony, right? It's stupid to most wrestling fans, but they were dead serious. Yeah, this is real money that, you know, they're talking about here. And like, 
Yeah, I believe, I do believe the Sheik, as far-fetched as he gets sometimes, that Vern called him and just said, hey, do something to him. Just just yeah. hurt him. You know, make Vince have to put him on the shelf for a couple months and, you know, foil him or whatever. I, I see your lips moving, Dave, but I can't hear you, by the way. <laughs> I literally did that because I opened the door and I, there was people outside. And I'm like, I was going to say, if, um, speaking of Sheik's, you know, outlandishness and, you know, he, he is going to not you know, cut out the hand that feeds him. But if you don't know about the Iron Sheik on Twitter, oh my God. you need to do yourself a favor mm. and, and follow him. It's fantastic. Yeah. He has help. Don't get me wrong. His son, his son helps him. I believe his son. He helps yeah, him. it's, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah, the Iron Sheik is is uh, definitely paving his way through social media, and it's it's quite a find. So if you're a wrestling fan, uh, you will quite enjoy that. So That's and I, I what I'm about to read here, too, I've never really dug into this about a Hogan fan. Oh, this no. is fucking interesting. He grew so popular that Marvel Comics took issue with the fact that he was using the name The Incredible because he was called at this I point, even when he won the world title, he's The Incredible Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So uh, uh, what they ended up doing was, that, yeah, Marvel Comics, Terry Bollea and Titan Sports came to a, what's called a quick claim deal where they just it it's a quick agreement on deciding who has what copyrights and, and who how much you can use something, how much you could say something. Uh, this is insanity, by the way. Uh, it allowed all three to share the trademarks of the names as long as the WWF agreed to not use Incredible anymore. So they agreed to not call him the Incredible Hulk Hogan anymore or allow Hogan to wear green or purple ring gear of any kind. Marvel also subsequently received 0.9% of all reportable gross merchandise revenue associated with Hulk Hogan. They got $100 of each time he wrestled, which back in the 80s, Jeez. he wrestled a lot, like uh, a lot, a lot. Uh, and That's 10% lot of Titans portions of other earnings under his name for 20 years. He could never be referred to simply as Hulk. It always. And that's why Hulk it was Hulk. the Hulkster, right? So and yeah, that yeah. and that, you know, incidentally, is how the Marvel Universe was started. No, probably yeah, all that money that's when they started saving for the avengers that's when they started getting thoughts of putting the iron man on the big screen i no, didn't even know that that's insanity that original deal i'm sure they that's pleaded. a crazy deal i don't think it but, lasted 20 years i think they probably negotiated shit all the time yeah. throughout the years but man Made for him to get that popular where marvel's like okay you're Okay, like it's time to so get my popular. cut, bro. Yeah, Where's he's using Hulk and Incredible, and we don't like it. We feel alienated by it. That's pretty fucking fantastic, by the way. And kind of smart of Vince to, I guess, take the deal. I guess, or maybe ah. he just would have lost, and they would have paid millions or whatever. But like, right. that's a lot to give. Really, is like at that moment, nine percent of all be merchandise. Safe. You're being safe. Why? You, yeah, you ain't losing. He's out being safe, and I'm sure. I'm sure Hogan was making so much money at this point. Uh, they were. Yeah. They were kicking doors down. They were worried about. Oh yeah, you know. And I remember, remember as a kid at the, the the end plate of every wrestling show would have that Hulk is a copyright of Marvel Entertainment or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You're right. Good stuff. So that's very, very interesting. I thought um, uh, in 1985, WWF began a relationship with a new network called MTV or music. Never Television. heard of it. Never heard. No. Of it. Uh, now I've never heard of it because all they do is play. Oh, Marvel no. Because it's real um, world. 75. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vince knew that if he could bridge the gap between youth, music, and his company, they would benefit. This is part of the movement. It's part of what Vince uh, wanted to do. They agreed to do a live wrestling show on the MTV network called War to Settle the Score on February wow. the 18th of 1985. That's in the main event, 
Hulk Hogan would defend his World mm-hmm. Wrestling Federation Championship against Rowdy Piper. Um, at the show, Cindy Lauper, the top, the top female singing artist at the time, and Mr. T, star of the hit TV show A-Team, were on hand. Mr. T actually came in at the end to aid Hogan in the main event. He, he was being attacked by the heels. This set up the first ever WrestleMania main event. Hey, Jess, can you do me a favor here and yes. just find the clip of, you know, B.A. Baracus? Yes. Come over the back on the A-Team for me. It would be an honor. Then I take my fist and put my initials on your brain. Uh, the next thing here, too, <laughs> I revised my notes. You guys don't see it. We're going to talk about the, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Richard Belzer incident. Yeah. yeah no, there no. We we're uh, going to get sued because before we go to <laughs> WrestleMania. So on the quick, we've talked about this before. Uh, I believe it was on Wrestling Gets Real. Wrestling right? Gets Real. Yep. Yeah. Um, so during the press junket. Uh, T and Hogan had to go around the loop here. By the way, I think I say it later. Um, oh, T. The, the main event for WrestleMania was set up. Mr. T, a movie star, a TV star, was going to go into the wrestling world and team with the World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan, take on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Rowdy Piper at the first ever WrestleMania. So leading up to it, T and Hogan hosted Saturday Night Live. Uh, they were everywhere. I mean, wrestling was everywhere. It was gigantic. Hogan was a star. He was just as big as any star you would see in Hollywood. He was that big. So uh, they were doing a press tour junket. And I guess on this particular day, if you read Hogan's book, they had done a bunch of interviews for local areas and they were touring around. They go back to their hotel room finally for some long needed rest. Hogan gets a call on his phone. You have to do the Richard Belzer show. He's a stand-up comedian. He's big in this area. What's that? He, he already had booked you. Hogan's like, I didn't know I was booked or whatever. He's also got kids down there waiting for you, like for your autograph and stuff for you, Mr. T. So Hogan calls T. T's in a bad mood. He's like, fuck that shit, fool. Fuck kids. Fuck that's, the world. That, that's, and, that's Hogan's kryptonite, man. Like, the kids are down there. Yeah. Like, okay. So okay, Hogan's brother. like, look, we got to do it. So Hogan called Vince. Vince is like, just fucking do it. And like, that was it. <laughs> just God, why do I have to do everything? So... <laughs> I'm assuming that's how the conversation went. I don't know that to be effective. So, uh, so they go down there, and when they get there, there's no kids, and it's just David, uh, uh, not David, it's David, because David's laughing. It's Richard Belzer in a <laughs> shitty talk show that he had at the time. And Richard Belzer was a known stand-up comedian at this point, by the way. So he yeah. starts in, they sit down. So you have a grumpy Mr. T, a grumpy Hulk Hogan, probably no sleep. They're doing press junkets. They're doing interview after interview after interview. I'm not making an excuse for this, but it's really funny. Um, so he starts digging into Hogan. A lot of people say this is fake. A lot of people say blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so he was definitely. So, so Mr. T of all people is getting super pissed. He's like, why don't you show him champ? Why don't you show him? He's like, yeah, brother, get up. Let me show you a hold. So they stand up in the middle of the thing. T's egging him on the whole time. Hogan puts him in a front face lock, uh, yeah. and puts his forearm across Richard Belzer's Adam's apple, which everybody knows if once USC got more popular, the choke. They would describe as basically what happens is you push the pressure on the Adam's apple, you cut off the air supply and the blood flow to the carotid arteries there in your neck, and you just lose consciousness. You black out. So basically, Hogan has him up in a front face lock, if you can imagine. Richard Belzer is like fucking 80 pounds soaking wet. So Hogan Mm -hmm. puts him in a front face lock and he says, see right here, brother, all I got to do is apply a little bit of pressure. And you saw Hogan barely shift his forearm. And you knew, by the way, Belzer kind of flailed his arms that Hogan was cutting all of his wind off. So at that point, Belzer went limp. Hogan lets him go, and Belzer falls back and thwacks the back of his head on the hard to, to give soundstage. A front chin lock. How about it, T? Keep him like that for a little while. Because 
he's all right. He's just sleeping. He's sleeping. Really, that's, I, was, I was a sleeper hole. He'd be all right. He's waking and, up. And to give you all, before just, you know, just to give you a, a little bit of visual, if you watch Law and Order Special Victims Unit, the oldest person on that show <laughs> is Richard Belzer. Okay? Yeah. So just put that in your head as, a, as Hulk Hogan is literally putting him into a chin lock and cutting off his air supply and passing him out and having him thump his head full force onto the the floor of this particular studio. So, and the funny thing is that Dave's favorite part, I will say, is <laughs> Mr. T in the background. So Hogan kind of is shitting his pants. Hogan, <laughs> Hogan's is. looking at Richard Belzer down. Hogan realizes at this point, you can see it in his face that like, I, I think I fucking killed him, brother. Like, mm-hmm. so Hogan's like, fuck. So Hogan's like slapping his face going, he's all right. He's all right. The crowd is gasping. And yeah. then Mr. T goes, oh, he's fine. He's just sleeping. He's, he's just, just sleeping. sleeping. Like he's fucking egging He's okay. He's and just sleeping. So Richard Belzer <laughs> is fucking seriously hurt. And as yeah. he's coming to, T is still pouring it on the fire, pouring more gas on the fire. Going, that's what you get. That's what you get for egging on the world champ. That's what you get. That's what you get. So he gets up. You can see the blood pissing out of the back of yeah, his head. Of of his and he head, turns yeah. around. He looks at the camera and. Out of memory, Meltzer says he, he does. He just it. kind of pops right up, back up, yeah. and like that's why you thought it was like he was okay and it was kind of fake. He's like, "We'll be right back." Yeah, he's like, "We'll be right back." From words from you know who, Yoo-hoo. and he couldn't even remember the sponsor or anything. And he's all, "Hey!" He turned around, and he shook Hogan's hand, and when he turned around, you saw the blood dripping out of the back yeah, of his head. You saw it big time. So yeah. Hogan and Vince got sued beyond belief. Meltzer has uh, Meltzer <laughs> Belzer has later said. I can't disclose. The, I guess they all signed a like a shoosh agreement a that they yeah. can never talk about how much money. I'm or sure millions our money upon, has to come back. Yeah, yeah. there's millions upon millions. Uh, yeah, but but Belzer did say I named one of my estates Shay Hogan. He's like, that's how much money I got from Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so you can. It, it was probably multiple millions of dollars, and in the 80s, that was a lot of money. So just from that lawsuit. Uh, Belzer probably didn't have to work for the rest of his life, but he's still on. Uh, he still did. Law and Order, right? Yeah, uh, SVU. Last time I checked, it's been it's been a bit. Um, oh, one SVU. of my favorite. One of my yeah. favorite Law and Orders is SVU, but you know, he's he's uh yeah, it, it's it's quite I, an impressive. I just story. wanted to talk about that because that was a big moment in the news, and, and you can like you can catch that on YouTube. It's out there. You can mm. find it, and it's. It's quite shocking. They're, they're on the road to the biggest wrestling show in history, which is WrestleMania. And, you know, and almost shit crumb, happens. It almost yeah, came this down. Shit happens. Like, yeah. Oh, he's just sleeping. That's what you get. Don't you fuck with Tam? Like, he's just fucking egging it I on, Mister T. Even the most uh, um, personable PR trained guys like can lose it. Like, you look at like when Vader and Undertaker in Kuwait or whatever. Sure. When Vader goes nuts, like you have a bad morning. You uh, make a promise that you have free time off for the first time in a week, and then you're forced to go do stupid Belzer, who's kind of sarcastic anyway. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of snap. I'm surprised more than fake. snap. And the whole time, which cracks me up, is like Mr. T has that like for lack of terms, it's like a bow flex, but it's not. It's got that. Yeah, he's, he's working it out the whole time during the interview. It's he's that, just, that, he's that just, bar that they used to get. Yeah, he's whirling himself up into a frenzy Ridiculous. the whole time. I'm just like, oh god. So. <laughs> I had we had to talk about that moment. So going That's forward so here funny. on March the 31st of 1985, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T would defeat Rowdy Piper and Paul Orndorff in the main event of the very first WrestleMania. Um, the event was such a success. It brought it brought wrestling into the uh, national mainstream spotlight, which is, again, exactly what Vince wanted from the start. Vince portrayed his wrestlers as superstars after this point. Everybody knew who Hulk Hogan was. Everybody in the U.S. 
celebrities would go out of their way to meet Hulk Hogan. They were gushing. There was the film back here where Hollywood celebrities that were famous stars were meeting Hogan going, man, I just got to meet Hulk Hogan. And Vince ate that shit up, dude. He put that on TV. He like, he was bigger than Hollywood almost. Hogan was at this point. He was just yeah. as well known as Sylvester Stallone, as Ron Schwarzenegger, content. as Eddie Murphy back here, as ho- everybody knew who Hogan was, even if he didn't like wrestling. Oh, well, I know who he is. I know Hogan is. Like, yeah. that's how big he was on this point. Roddy, Roddy Piper, double team, maybe triple team effort here. Oh, nice save. As Piper was about to lower him. Look out. Oh, he hit Orton. Unbelievable. With a cash. Down for Patterson. He got out. They got out. that hull out of the way and cowboy bob orton hit mr wonderful paul orndorff with the cast ace orton delivering the blow the beam um he also like i said earlier he was on every major talk show he hosted saturday night live he was also the first pro wrestler to be on the entire cover of a sports illustrated magazine that's fucking massive uh, the next person would be bam bam and lawrence taylor in 1995 but he would share the cover with other people. Hulk Hogan had the entire cover to himself. I don't think until Steve Austin later. Yep. I think Steve Austin uh, had the cover by himself for something like coming. that and Sports Illustrated. So, um, just Christ, whatever. the rest of um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Uh, he was also in a music video with Cindy Lauper. Hulk Hogan was everywhere. He was everywhere. Um, he would uh, defeat and defend the WWF Championship against people like King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania II in 1986. And I want to stop right there real quick because I just That's fast forward. Throwaway. I what? fast forward it. Oh. Well, it is, but it isn't. Like WrestleMania II was majorly ambitious, and it was a big gamble for him to take. Everybody talks about the gamble of WrestleMania One. I multiple think two arenas. Was, no. Yeah, two was well. It was multiple arenas, and you got to. This is 1986 technology here. That's a fucking. That's a bold statement to be like, we're going to have three is, uh, different arenas. Well, so think about it. If you bought tickets I, to the Nassau Coliseum, right? And that yeah. was the first event. So you got a great hour live, one hour of live wrestling, maybe a dark match before. And then that. you watch the rest. On then the, after on that, the yeah, monitor. you're watching, you're watching Chicago and Los Angeles on the big screen. You're, so it's basically a live event slash closed circuit event in one. So it just didn't work. Like it just didn't work. Well, my qualms with that Jess. I, oh. I know we're going long this is gonna that's go fine long. i don't care i don't care you guys all agree here's, that he's here's the deal famous. like it, for new year's new year's uh new year's day ceremonies you know when it strikes midnight it goes all over the world people are in different parts of the world here and here's room five over in los angeles and here's someone in new york vince vince is ahead of his time and i i hate saying it because i god he's like the al davis of my time but in these moments, Vince totally gets it. How do I how do I bring multiple people from multiple different time zones, coliseums, and get them into it? Did it not work? Maybe. But what I would argue with you is that it should have worked, provided the technology was there. I am bound by the technology of my time. That's what Tony Stark's father says to him, right? 
I think Vince was bound by the technology of his time. He was thinking of all these things through. If if that was 20 years later, it would have been a huge success because you would have had the technology to blast that worldwide. You put that in every arena that you want to put it in. It I, you know what? Cool. That is an it's excellent just, point right now. It's, in, it, it's insane. If, if he would do that now, it would be a smashing success. That's what I'm saying. Totally why why can't you hold point. WrestleMania in like two or three different arenas point. right now? That's what I'm saying. And, and and it goes back to the the whole thing of I I I can't believe I'm giving Vince as much credit, but I have to. I, he wanted to have his own network. At this time, he was talking about having his own network, and he now he has one, but he the technology wasn't there until it was there for him to take advantage of it. And these are the kind of things where you can talk about Hogan setting the the pillars and the foundation. Vince is equally, if not more so. This is the argument. Is it Vince or is it Hogan? Yeah. And that kind of idea is huge. It's it's if massive. You can and, see I, and I know it wasn't as good as it should have been. I'm sorry, Craig. Take it. You can see in his mind, he did the a year the year before, he made New York a spectacle and sold yeah. out Madden Square Garden, had Liberace come out, and Muhammad Ali. And so a year yeah. later, he said, I'm going to do that to the number one, the number two, and the number three markets in the country. Um, so he had the Battle Royal in Chicago. He had a, a William Refrigerator Perry, a bunch of NFL guys. Sense. He had yeah. he had um, Susan St. John or whatever and Hogan and the, uh, and the headline in match. L.A. Oh, yeah. the and boxing match. Yeah. And then, the, oh, yeah, in the boxing match. Um, so it's. Oh, and the- <laughs> I mean, it was a complete gamble, but you could see what he was trying to do. Like he could, he was trying to build that PR and sell ticket and just three times the revenue. And then I, I, to Jess's point, it just didn't quite. Just wasn't enough to sustain three different cities with that wacky technology. Well, because now we have now they make every arena look the same. They have the same Titantron. They have the same LED around the apron. They have the same. Every arena looks the same, except yeah. it's, if it says Raw or SmackDown. That's the only difference, or the pay per view. Sure. Back here, if he had that, that's even that's a great point, Dave. If he could do that now, it would work because every arena would look the same. Like, which is fine. Back here, he was a victim of the Rosemont Horizon looked so different than. Chicago looks so different than LA. If you I go agree. back and watch the Hogan LA match in Bundy, it was dark as fuck in there. They sold the arena out, but they turned all the lights out and just put the spotlight on the ring. Um, so it was just really weird. Production wise, it just didn't work out because he, I guess you're right. He was a victim of the technology, but nothing could look the same. Like, so I think that was the problem is each arena yeah. looked way too different and it threw people off. And, uh, and on top of that, like, a lot of people shit on the blue steel cage. This was the debut of the blue bar steel cage, blue. which Vince, there's two reasons why he made it. One for Looked TV good. visibility and two, because Hogan and Bundy are giants and they could never climb out the actual fence before steel cages were just chain link fence. And it was odd to see it. If the there camera, was, there was no gate. Yeah. yeah. If, the, if the camera was at the wrong angle, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be clear. You couldn't really see the wrestlers on the inside. And, 450 pound King Kong Bundy and 300 pound Hulk Hogan are not going to climb a like fence like a gazelle like you want them to. They're going to look ridiculous trying to do it. So they made the blue bar steel cage and this was the debut and you could see into it easy and Hogan and Bundy could climb on it. This match was actually um, super stiff and fun. I love Hogan and Bundy. I still argue that Big Blue could have some. Craig and I also as well obsessed over Bundy's blade job on this match. Uh, it's something that we still talk about all the time. You could clearly see if you go back, watch Bundy totally has the blade in his hand. He rakes it over his face, but it's a crazy great 
glimpse into pro wrestling and how they do it. Yeah. And then Hogan punches his face and the blood just comes down. And I'm like, yeah. man, like I love this fucking sport. Like I love it. Like it's just so fun to uh, watch. I, does he I'm give it to Heenan or does he didn't give it to him? No, he gives it to the ref. No, Bundy. Oh, actually, yeah. Bundy, Bundy tucks it into his uh, tights. Yes. So Bundy has yeah. it and does it. Well, and that's, Hogan, that's just dangerous. Yeah, he didn't give it to him, him and then Bundy. Yeah. And then you watch when Bundy got up to sell, he stuffed it down like the front of his tights or whatever. It was the referee that got it for Mania 7 and Hogan and Slaughter that you're thinking of. Got it. Um, so Hogan going forward, Hogan would also tour the country, rematching Bundy, uh, Big John Studd, Dr. D. David Schultz, Kamala, the One Man Gang, Paul Orndorff, Randy Savage, and Rowdy Piper during the horn here in 1986. I did want to note, uh, I, I don't care that we're going along because a lot of this That's has fine. to be talked about. A notable feud was against Paul Orndorff in 1986, which nobody oh, fucking Wonderful. talks about. That feud was fucking goddamn fire. Like, that feud was awesome. Orndorff turned heel on Hogan and took on Bobby Heenan as his manager. That turn was so fucking cool. It was a... Uh, he was a face for a while, Orndorf was, and him and Hogan were tagging up, and then you started, you saw it, it was obvious, right? Soap opera. And, and it was saw, also the reason why, you know, Orndorf You're not returning die. my calls, Mr. Wonderful. Look, Mr. Wonderful, don't, you think don't, about the- Don't, don't forget that this feud is why Paul's arm is dead. Right, yes. It's another one as well. So, basically what happens is they, exactly. they team up, they win the match or whatever, and then Paul Orndorf picks up Hogan- at the end of it, and then clotheslines the shit out of him and turns heel, and Heenan runs down, and then it's the whole thing of like, oh, you didn't give me title shots, you should have given me title shots, I'm the world champion, or whatever. They were so hot, these two, and it should not be understated. Paul Orndorff is one of his greatest opponents, and one of the greatest opponents to ever draw money with Hogan on top of that. And I'll tell you why right now, not just with Heenan in his corner, that helped, Very because telling. Heenan was always Hogan's fucking foil, no matter what, you fucking Heenan sure. and somebody... Uh, Hogan would always choke him and grab him and shit and put him in neck braces and Heenan would always oversell it and uh, he broke my neck I'm going to sue him I'm going to sue him it's great stuff um, they would tour the country doing record business one house show in Canada on August the 28th of 1986 drew over 60,000 people That's to the exhibition stadium uh, and it was later released on Coliseum Home Video as the big event Jeopardy, the championship of the world right here as a slam by the challenger on Orndorff, about to drop an elbow, yes! Right into the throat of the champion. One thing, Paul Orndorff is in rail form. He's in great shape. Huck Hogan is in great shape. A great move, Arndorf. Over for the cover once again. Two count only as the right arm comes out. I'd say a pile driver would do it right here myself. You can feel the electricity in the air. You can cut it with a knife. The anticipation, Orndorff. And th that match is fucking nuts. And they were in Canada. Now Hogan's a god in Canada, but back here, I would say 40% of the arena was cheering for Mr. Wonderful. That match, there was so much fucking heat, if you go back and watch it. They yeah. were standing the entire match. The crowd did not sit down, all 60,000 people of them. It was crazy, and they toured the entire country like that. Um, they concluded their feud in 1986 on an edition of Saturday Night's Main Event in a steel cage, Big Blue. Um, at one Big point, blue. both wrestlers climbed down the opposite sides of the cage and touched the floor at the same time. He's gaining on him. No, he's not. Hogan, drop down, oh. drop down, drop down. Drop wonderful. Down. Wonderful hit oh. first. Mr. Wonderful oh. hit the oh. floor. No. no, 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 no. Danny Davis, the senior official, has declared Mr. Wonderful the winner. I can't believe that. What's going on? Hogan's the victor. We've got, we've got a referee. 
So that was a huge controversy. I'll, I'll never forget that match. It was so nicely done. And then the referee started it, and then Hulk Hogan did his typical shit, and then finally climbed over the top rope and got out. So the Mr. Wonderful feud has to be noted. It was a very, very big part in Hogan's rise in 86. They drew record business. And like Dave said, Orndorff hurt a nerve in his back, which linked to his arm. I think it was his right arm, right? Yeah, it was his right arm. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it caused the muscle to start atrophying because the nerve sent signals to the brain at that point going, I'm hurt. I don't feel your bicep. So when the brain thinks a muscle in your body is dead, it starts atrophying. It doesn't matter if you're giving your body nutrients or not. It's just an injury. Back here, you got paid per performance. And if you were on the main event spot, you showed That's up right. for your fucking shots if you wanted money. Unfortunately, the way it was back here, yes, Vince would have probably paid for Orndorff surgery. Yes, he probably would have paid him a nice little small downside guarantee for staying at home. But he never would have gotten the money that he got from wrestling in the main. So really, Paul Orndorff sacrificed his right bicep. And I'm not even kidding. To, That's right. For the riches that he's probably enjoying right now. And yeah, work with Hogan. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, you know, it, it sucks that he had to make that choice or whatever, but Dave is right. Everybody knows, if you notice later in Orndorff's career, his right bicep started to shrink and disappear. And it was because of a nerve injury that he got during this tour here with Hogan. And he was so afraid to take time off because he's like, dude, I'm, I'm going to be fucking kicked off the main event spot. I'll never get my spot That's back. exactly what So, happened. yeah, yeah it's, it's the harsh reality of what wrestling was back here. It's not always fair. Uh, it's just what happened. So, yep. Any comments before I move on on the Orndorff feud? You're good. Uh, here we go. After the Orndorff feud, Hogan began teaming with fellow babyface Andre the Giant, who had just returned from back surgery. That's a big baby. <laughs> Andre and Hogan would uh, defeat King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd on a late 1986 excuse me, episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. On WWF television in early 1987, they had a trophy presentation for Hulk Hogan on Piper's Pit. Um, it celebrated. Could you, Hulk- um, could you imagine the total LBS in that match? Bundy, Stud, Hogan, Andre. I'm guessing fi- what fifteen hundred pounds. It's got to be. That's a that's a lot of chickens, water, my man. friend. That's a lot of protein. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just saying. I don't know. So that's this some, that, this. <laughs> This trophy presentation on Piper's Pit on uh, was celebrating Hulk Hogan's three years at this point as WWF champion. Andre came out to congratulate Hogan and cryptically said, three years to be a champion. It's a long time. And then he was just <laughs> quiet and he backed off. So the next week on Piper's Pit, Andre was to be presented with the trophy, which was noticeably smaller than the one Hogan got the week before. Well, being, that's not nice. For being undefeated for 15 years, which is not true. Um, but it was part of the storyline. We believe all of it. Uh, Andre came out to accept it, but was noticeably irritated. Hogan came in to congratulate him, but Andre didn't say anything and just walked off the set, leaving Hogan alone with Piper, wondering why did Andre just walk off and not accept his trophy? It took a long time for him to walk off, too. But. Yes. The next week. Jesse Ventura appeared on Piper's pit and said he had arranged a face-to-face meeting with between Hogan and Andre because there's tension, Piper. And so Hogan <laughs> came out accusing Ventura of lying and trying to stir up trouble. Uh, then out walked Andre with his brand new manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Andre, said, Andre ah! then said, I'm here for one reason, to challenge you for a world championship match at the WrestleMania. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm there for one reason, 
to challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Andre, please, no, it's not happening, man. We're friends. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Andre. What are you doing, man? And that Slam. is the big oh. that was the big heel turn for Andre. <laughs> Hogan in disbelief continued to say, We're friends, Andre. Please, what are you doing here with him? Heenan famously said, You can't believe it. Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. And Andre grabbed Hogan's shirt and ripped the cross that Hogan would wear yep. and the shirt the from his cross. chest. A little that known co- factor. That was like too, a $20 cost. That was a lot of money. Andre's thumbnail, Andre didn't cut his nails, apparently. Uh, cut Hogan's chest when he went in to grab it. So Hogan was bleeding a little bit from his chest. Frenchmen don't cut their nails. And yeah, and Hogan uh, was down on one knee and left alone with Piper, staring at his torn shirt and his ripped cross. And Piper, <gasps> according to Piper, improvised the line, you're bleeding, man. You're bleeding. <laughs> so it was a great moment. It's it's corny-ish because Hogan's... We're friends. What are you doing, laughter, brother? It Andre, it's not. Play, come, brother. <laughs> It's the my friend. This, this is where we are. Come this on, is the buildup uh, between yeah, those two. Yeah, the build. Behind Brother, the scenes, though, <laughs> behind the scenes, uh, Vince had to pull the trigger here because Andre's health was declining quickly, and his back surgery for a man that size back here in 1987 was not successful per se. Or 1986 is when they had the surgery. Um, it was hard, you know. Andre also did not keep. We're uh, friends, Andre. Andre Andre also did not keep himself in good shape. Andre, uh, even though there were treatments back here in 86, 87 for giantism, which is what Andre had. He He refused to get that. Yeah, he refused it because he didn't want it to affect his pro wrestling career. He's like, I'm a giant. I can't shrink. Well, it still affected it. So exactly. But Andre did not go out of his way to eat healthy here. He was a known alcoholic. He was, you know, really did not give a shit uh, here. So, of course, the back surgery that happened had to happen on a 500 pound seven foot Jess, man can you just let him like, have his wine can you just let him he oh it? he had his wine um so this this God. this bill has a glass be, and a half just to wind down every night <laughs> yeah it's a big glass but before he shits on a bed in japan <laughs> whoa whoa bottle. Come here, hey, Come he, to can, my room. he can crap on a bed in japan when the shower head hits his belly button yeah he could he has to bathroom. buy two seats to get on the plane yeah yeah, yeah. Oh crap on a newspaper in the hotel room. He had to shit. Andre, the, I'll give you. He literally had to shit one. in bathtubs too because the Japanese toilets were too small when they toured Japan. So he would shit. He in the would bathtub. break them. Yeah, he would break them if he sat. I have to go poo in a bathtub. <laughs> so <laughs> on March the 29th, nineteen eighty-seven, at WrestleMania three, in front of ninety-three thousand people, Hogan would slam and pin Andre to defend I the WWF Heavyweight Championship. This would further Slam! this would further catapult Hulk Hogan and the WWF to the top of the wrestling world. Uh, Hogan was already a legend at this point, even in 1987. Never been knocked off his feet like that. Look at the look on the face of the champion. He's hooking up, Jess. I don't know if he's got enough left in him. That adrenaline can do wonders. We're seeing what this guy is really made of. What he is. The greatest professional athlete in the world today. Look at this. He's I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm dropping a big leg. Over for the cover. It's Unbelievable. I can't understate. I know we 
are going to do the review of WrestleMania 3, which will air shortly after this. I can't, it's the biggest main event in WrestleMania history still to this day. Um, it, it catapulted wrestling even further. Vince was so smart here pulling that there was only one person that was a question. Only one person that you could put Hogan in there with at this point. Hogan had beaten everybody. Bundy, Stud, Piper, blah, blah, everybody, everybody. Sure. They're in front of 93,000 people who would draw that amount of people with Hogan. And who could you actually be like, I really don't know who's going to win. Andre might beat him. And you could believe it. Legitly, you could believe it. And uh, I don't think there's ever been a dynamic for a main event of WrestleMania ever like since then. And I know that The Rock and Austin faced three times WrestleMania. I understand that. But rest, the Federation it, itself was gigantic at that point. And they were two stars that were on a collision course. Hogan was, like, unbeatable. He was this guy that had transcended onto the national level. Nobody had ever seen a wrestler touch that echelon before. So how do you... We, we just... We don't let him lose to anybody. So how do we come up with a convincing opponent for 90,000 people on the biggest show build that up. we know because we're a wrestling event and we're going to draw 90,000 people. The every major, works. Every major media outlet is going to be covering this event to see if we fail and we can't fill this building on top of everything. And then you have to cap capture the wrestling audience. That is like who, who uh, Hogan's going to beat everybody. He beats everybody. Oh, Andre. Oh fuck. I don't know. I don't know. Like in perfect. You, he had to pull the trigger here. Andre was too, he was declining in health. Any later wouldn't have been as successful no. as it was. You can say what you want about the quality of the match, but like it didn't matter. All he had to do was knock him down and slam him and pin him, and he did. And it's still iconic to this point. Like he he became a legend here after only three and a half years of taking over the nation, taking over the world, becoming a household name. He had done WrestleMania one. He had been in there with celebrities. He had been, I mean. This run already, and we're not even done with it yet, was fucking insane. And this WrestleMania 3 was really the crown jewel. If Hogan retired after this, dare I say people would still be calling him the greatest wrestler of all time because he retired like at the top. How do you do how do you do how do you top this? He had nowhere to go but right. down from here. All right, settle, settle down. I'm settle gonna down. take my pants off. But take, uh, the, take the next bullet point. It uh, you don't want to talk about WrestleMania 3, you selfish asshole. I I thought I did. Talk about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, man. Luck bow. I, I, I don't know why my rowdy gets into this one, but I'm, I'm telling you, 93,000 people. You can argue that Dallas had more people, but what I would tell you is that 93,000 in this time frame, with this, with with the um, the lack of internet, the lack of coverage of media, because. It doesn't exist. And Incredible feet. I'm sorry, 87? Yeah, 1987. Yeah. It's not the same. To be able to get that kind of... This is the this is the grassroots campaign of, hey, man, did you know that Hulk Hogan, who's like 300 pounds, is going to wrestle a 500-pound giant you know, in, a, in the Superdome? Like, we, we should try to catch that. And, and don't even talk about closed-circuit television at this time, where people would go into stadiums just to watch the big screen TV to watch this at the Superdome. I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is CCTV. This is 93,000 watching it live. This is the best you can get before technology. Once again, kind of gets, gets it mitts on it. And I'm telling you, it's, it, 
I, I don't think Dallas compares. Well, I know Dallas technically does. has more people in the arena, but that's not. It doesn't but, really equate to the same. It, push. It's because that got more more people because WWF as a WWE as a whole is a fucking huge worldwide fucking you know mainstream professional wrestling company. Yeah, you have all that push behind you. You have here Hogan, Hogan Andre Hogan creating Andre the push, right? That brought yeah. that in. They 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 created that whole versus the corporation. Phew, in now the whole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, however, you thought uh, WrestleMania two underwhelmed to like Vince's expectation. I think ahead of his time, the complete opposite of this. And, uh, one year later, WrestleMania three selling out um, the Silverdome, Detroit, ninety three thousand to see a wrestling event and to have the biggest match probably in wrestling history on that same year. I mean, totally. And, and you can say it. I said I said Superdome. I made a Hogan mistake. It's yeah. Silverdome, brother. Brother. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the Silverdome. Ninety three thousand people. So for the it's rest insane. of nineteen eighty seven, Hogan would continue to defend the WWF Championship across the country. Uh, his team, however, at the first ever Survivor Series, would fall defeat to Andre's team. So Andre kind of not really kind of got his win back a little bit ish. Uh, in January of 1988, he would sign a contract to rematch Andre the Giant at a live primetime special called The Main Event on NBC, set for February. Never 5, heard of it. What 1988. Are you talking about? After Never four years as WWF champion, Hulk Hogan would finally lose the WWF championship to Andre the Giant at that show. To this day, it is the highest rated professional wrestling program in American television history. You'll with- never. You'll with, never duplicate with 15 million households, which is approximately 33 million viewers. From behind, Andre now, but maybe Lady Luck riding on his shoulders here tonight. One headbutt, a second headbutt. Andre spins a holster around. Suplex right on top of him. He's on it. One. We get a two. That's it. Put it on him. He got him. He got him! No, he didn't! The referee counted three! We've got a new world champion! No, we don't either! I told it, McMahon! I told you! I told the world that the Giant would win it! No, sir! That can't be! I don't ever want to hear you doubt me again, McMahon! Never, ever again! Dave Ebner, the referee, is outside! He has the championship belt, I believe, in his hands. Hoaxers look- This also was the infamous twin referee angle. What else does this fucking guy have to do to be considered the greatest wrestler of all time? I don't know. I don't Just know what else he has to do. Calm, Jesus. Calm this guy's... Wait a minute. They look just alike. They look just alike. The guy on the right's Hebner, isn't it? The guy on the left is Hebner. Wait a minute, the Hulkster's coming over to figure out which the official referee assigned was a man by the name of Dave Hebner. I can't believe we're... Uh, and also to prove, too, that the Hogan and Andre feud was the biggest wrestling feud probably still in wrestling history. Like, I don't understand. 33 million people. That's ridiculous. Like, it was how big WWF was at this time. Still a primetime special on NBC. Again... The Rock's new, uh, what the Young Rock, the new show he just debuted, got just over five million viewers on NBC uh, this past week or whatever. Good for him. Which nowadays people are like five million. That's a good base to build on. Back here, fuck, like a one night only. Fifteen professional million. wrestling on primetime wrestling on a Friday 
33 million people. Everyone can go fuck yourself. Like geez. I heard, I heard the I heard the Friends debut got more. That's what I heard. Well, yeah, sitcoms did. Like the the Cosby Show back here was number one with like sixty million a week and stuff like that. But blah blah blah. Like, calm down, everybody. <laughs> We're talking about professional wrestling on a Friday I'm night. You, I'm just being time. dick. You, I was being really sarcastic. I didn't think it was true. Hooker mouth. Uh, <laughs> So, but he did. But on top of all this here, his four-year reign as WWF champion comes to an end. The famous or infamous, however you want to look at it, twin referee was very nicely done. Uh, they had to get the belt off Hogan somehow, and they didn't want to damage their cash cow because well, really... you know, he had a movie to make, Jess. No, yeah, and I'll go on next year, too. Uh, Hogan lost the title mainly to take a break from the road. He would film No Holds Barred during the uh, spring and summer of 1988. He was totally off WWF television for this time. Zeus. Before that, though, the title was vacant after the twin referee situation. Macho Man Randy Savage would win the tournament at WrestleMania 4 to be World Wrestling Federation champion to keep the seat warm for Hogan until he came back. Just whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't calm down. In July of 1998, on an episode that. of Superstars of Wrestling, Randy Savage announced the return of Hulk Hogan, who would be his partner at the first ever SummerSlam pay-per-view on August the 29th, 1988, live from Madison Square Garden. Uh, they would call their team the Mega Powers, uh, and they would face the Mega Bucks of Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant in the main event. The Mega Powers would defeat the Mega Bucks and further establish the dominance of the company's top two babyfaces, which at this time were Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. Look at this, he's got set up. Bombs away, perhaps. Come on, Macho. Oh, the pocket line on him. Get up. And the main drop. Get that in there, Captain Turner. Jesse, right there, one, two. Oh, here it is, one, count the three. I never entertained it. I never, but it's over. Throughout the fall and winter, the Mega Bucks, or sorry, excuse me, the Mega Powers would start showing signs of stress, mainly over jealousy for Elizabeth. Randy Savage would lose his temper at certain times and accuse Hogan and Elizabeth of putting him in the back seat. Yeah, but ultimately, <laughs> cooler heads would prevail until February the third, nineteen eighty nine, on the main event two live NBC primetime special. The Mega Powers would defeat the Twin Towers. However, Savage would slap Hogan in the face and leave him. Ooh to fight the boss man and Akeem alone during the match. This happened because the Macho Man Randy Savage was thrown outside of the ring, accidentally hitting Miss Elizabeth, knocking her unconscious. Hogan would pick up Elizabeth and bring her to the back to receive medical attention. This left Savage all alone to face the Twin Towers. When Hogan returned, he felt the wrath of Savage from getting the slap in the face. Macho Man Randy Savage would turn heel here. After the match, Hogan would confront Savage in the back. This led to Savage hitting Hogan with the WWF Championship belt, completing his heel turn, setting the stage for WrestleMania 5. Really quick here. Can I, uh, can this I was like his out, brother? This was also like the first backstage vignette where we see it all the time now, you know, where the camera just is backstage raw and people are walking and they kind of interact with each other. There's no interview. Me and Gene Okerlund didn't interview anybody here. That's the difference. Hogan came back and played the scene from the ring wrestling would just have it happen in the ring normally this time Vince McMahon on a live primetime special had a backstage vignette where Hogan went looking for Savage then there's no one interviewing them Gene Oakland's not back there going let me go it's just Elizabeth on the gurney Savage pissed off Hogan and they're yelling at each other and then he turns and hits Hogan with the belt 
that had never really been done before in wrestling. And now very much NBC works. So Brava S. My guts is too. If you wanted to come at me man to man for a belt, I would beat you one, two, three. That would be okay. Try and talk some sense into this guy, man. Try and talk some sense to me. Exactly. Very soap opera esque. It's 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 commonplace now for good or bad. But this worked. I mean, I'm going to get to it here. Uh, WrestleMania 5, Hogan. Uh, WrestleMania 5 actually would be um, the highest grossing WrestleMania pay-per-view until WrestleMania 14 in 1988. Hulk Hogan would defeat wow. Randy Savage to win his second World Wrestling Federation Championship. The match was very good, and it seemed Hulkamania Part 2 was off and running. Yes, the highest bought WrestleMania until 10 years, almost, well, roughly 10 years from that point until 1988. Um, to this day, the this make- was a this this was a storyline, and people talked about it that it took over a year. Well, real quick, look, to this yeah. day, the Mega Power is exploding. It's considered one of the greatest WWE storylines ever, Dave. To mirror yeah. your sentiment, to your there. point. No. Before the mega powers even started, I, I think Vince knew once again that this was this is going to take a year. It's a slow burn, and we're going to get back to WrestleMania. We're going to get back to Hogan taking Savage and beating him for the title, and all because um, he couldn't take care of his woman the way he wanted to. I mean, you know, that sounds terrible, but. They would be like, oh, Hogan, you know, I see you right here. And he would go over every every film, every angle of Hogan putting his hand on Elizabeth in an inappropriate way. See, lust in your eyes was a big deal. And they would just build on this. And, and Macho would just get more and more entrenched with the fact that Hogan wanted to take Elizabeth from, from him. And it was a great storyline. You know, it's 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 the classic you sold me out over a woman, you know, kind of thing. And it was a year of storyline. And it was the they knew they were gonna do this at the end of WrestleMania four. They knew this was gonna burn, they knew this was gonna happen. It's one of the greatest storylines. It took over a year to build, one of the biggest payoffs ever, and to Jess's point, the, the best storyline ever within Hogan and within the realm of WrestleMania. It's uh it, it's quite impressive. Um, when it comes to and five WrestleMania five was a great match. I consider it yeah. one of Hogan's top matches for sure. Um, Thanks, Macho. It, Macho Macho was great here, and unfortunately, it probably was like real tension in real life between these two because Macho Man and Hogan have a history. Mm, I can't yeah. talk about the legacy of Hogan without talking about Savage because we obviously talked a lot about Hogan during Macho Man's. But Savage was a very big part of Hogan's oh, legacy, yeah. even back in 86, 87, when they started testing Savage out in the house show circuits with Hogan to see, you know, I t- I just praised how Andre was huge in his draw with Hogan and, and that's the biggest main event ever. How do you answer that? Well, you get back to good old fashioned storytelling and wrestling. And so they kind of defined here. 
Like I said, that backstage segment when Savage hit him with the belt on the main event yeah. was the first backstage segment with no, it was not, it didn't emulate a sporting event. It was like the camera was following their lives back. It was like almost reality television yeah. before was reality. Reality. there was reality world television. World. Like, yeah. again, we've said it before and we're not trying to suck his cack too much here, Whoa. but Vince, Vince had eyes like decades beyond ah, ah, ah. the decades that he was in at all times. And uh, I inspired. And honestly, I think it's that he he had didn't he have support on anything that was on NBC with like that Don is it it Don Allmeyer or whoever is working? Yes, it was Allmeyer. Yeah, yeah. It was like they always put like some of that Hollywood and 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 sizzle on 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 the wrestling. I'm sure I I I bet he had something to kind of do with the how that was produced and the look and feel of it. And not to mention before the backstage vignette. That the shot that Elizabeth and the bump that Elizabeth took from Macho is one of the most realistic, yeah, everything like man and woman spots you've ever seen. And it was Elizabeth taking it and she'd never been touched. It was crazy, yeah. And uh, it was, you know, and and it's funny, a cousin said it many times too on the podcast. Hogan did like without, I don't think they knew it, but if you go back and look at the storyline of Macho and Hogan, Hogan was a fucking heel sometimes. That's what I'm saying. Macho exposed uh Hogan for the heel, he he just he just. He legitly left Macho Man in the ring by himself with two 300 to 450 pound guys. Well, he picked up Elizabeth, who's Macho Man. How could he couldn't tap Macho Man going, take her to the back, brother? Like, help her. You know what I mean? Like, that was Elizabeth's manager, or that was Savage's manager, and what, you know, you, it was wife in real life, but you, they alluded to that they were kind of romantically involved, sort of Savage and Elizabeth uh, on the storyline. So it was just kind of like, yeah, he did like this dick move and stuff. So when Macho slapped him, you know, a lot of fans like continue to support Macho even through WrestleMania five because they're like, you're a piece of shit. Like you picked up his wife or his girlfriend or manager or whatever, mm-hmm. his interest, and you just left him like you just left him. So it was it was such a great storyline. I don't think they knew that it was going to have so many layers that it did uh, with that. You know, they just, I think, wanted to paint the picture of Macho Man was jealous and Hogan was this good guy. But Hogan was not totally innocent macho like, man laid out all the evidence in that fucking wrestlemania 5 promo before WrestleMania <laughs> yeah. 5. He, out, he had the video footage like t- come on <laughs> the touching of the butt touching the butt. yeah the touching of the butt everything yeah lying about i love so, you like a brother <laughs> and and you know and that's how they answered wrestlemania 3 right they didn't use it for wrestlemania 4 they took they took off they they used wrestlemania 4 to make macho man because they knew we got to build the different star because hogan's going away for a while then with that star that we built, when Hogan comes back, we're going to continue the seed of jealousy that's going to slowly eat Macho to death. And it culminated here at the main event, uh, part two. And uh, and the WrestleMania 5 match was great. And Hogan did end up doing the traditional big bootleg drop, pinning him or whatever, and when he won his second world championship. But I will never forget uh, Hogan and Savage. And that storyline was just fantastic. And you can't beat it. People still talk about the mega powers to this day. Like they were some tag team that won the title a million times. And you know what I mean? Like, but they were together like less than a year, really, when you think about it. And they wrestled like what, two matches, three matches together as the mega powers. Like, but you remember them. You remember that name. You remember their, their, yeah, they were fantastic. And so I loved it. I love this part here too. Uh, for the rest of 1989, Hulk Hogan would defend the world title against people like the big boss man in a great steel cage match, by the way, where he suplexes the boss man off the top of the fucking steel cage on an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. He would also uh, defend the title against people like Mr. Perfect. He would tour the country with Randy Savage in rematches from WrestleMania 5. Um, he would also begin a feud with Zeus, who was Tiny Lister, who has recently passed away. 
He was the villain in the movie No Holds Barred. At SummerSlam 1989, uh, Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake would defeat Randy Savage and Zeus in the main event. The pay-per-view would also have the highest SummerSlam buy rate until 1998. So WrestleMania 5, up to that point, had the highest WrestleMania buy rate and would be the highest all the way until WrestleMania 14 in 1998. SummerSlam that same year would be the highest SummerSlam buy rate ever all the way until 1998. He picked up this! Yeah! Who? I fucking hate Cuz right now. I just because don't even look at his face. I don't want to look at his face. Twice? Uh, so the, the power of the Macho Man and Hogan storyline was strong here. It kept professional wrestling, WWF, and the mainstream and, and uh, popular. Um, 88-89 was just pure fire um at the royal rumble however in january of 1990 the wwf would test an upcoming star with their biggest cash cow at one point in the royal rumble that year wwf world heavyweight champion hulk hogan stood face to face with the intercontinental champion the ultimate warrior the 30 second confrontation seemed like an hour fans went crazy this sample made the fans wonder who could actually win in a one-on-one match hulk hogan or the ultimate warrior Setting down everyone on his feet. Look at the eyes of the Hulkster, the eyes of the warrior. Oh, what a matchup this is gonna be! The ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan one on one. Hold on to your seats. At WrestleMania 6, in front of 67,000 people mm. in Toronto Skydome, mm, so the Ultimate Warrior would cleanly pin Hulk Hogan mm. to win the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Mm. In a passing mm. of the torch moment, Hogan would come in at the end of the match with uh, handing him the belt, giving him a hug. They would embrace in the center of the ring. Although the buy rate was not what they hoped for, it put a new star on top. Got him with the ball. He nailed him. Here it is. He Kind of the beginning of the sort of crumbling of Hulkamania. If you really go back and look and think about it, Hulk Hogan had not been beaten on WWF television since 1984. He was their cash cow. He was the guy. Like he was the megastar. And then they had to Vince understanding that I think Hogan was getting a little older. He was getting a little bit slower. He also was wanting to leave a little bit more here to film more movies. So I think Vince felt that he had to like the fire under his ass and bring some competition and we, here we go. We crown the Ultimate Warrior as the World Wrestling Federation champion. Um, Hulk Hogan also did this, too, because he would take another break to film Suburban Commando in the spring of 1990 and early summer. Uh, this time, instead of just being off TV, they shot an angle which had him put a new heel over the earthquake on the Brother Love show where Hogan was attacked by Earthquake and put out of action where Earthquake did the butt splash on him like two or three times, breaking his ribs. You really knew... Uh, that yeah, Hulk Hogan might have to retire. This is it. They played this as Hogan might be too injured to ever wrestle again. Fans were able to write letters to a Get Well Hogan campaign. You got a little re- uh, yellow wrestling uh, bracelet. Tugboat came out and was you know his biggest advocate and pushed Thanks, all that. <laughs> let's let's oh, go back to the warrior. I know we're, uh, we're going. We're not as long as I thought. 
Uh, I, I personally feel that the earthquake dynamic between the two could have gone longer. I, I I think they could have milked that a little a little bit longer than they did. That's the one thing. I have your adversary. I think, I think yeah. Was, no, they, they could have more to it. But before that, I want to go back to the warrior and mania six because I don't think that can be. Oh, can't overstep that. Uh, <laughs> well, it, thank it, you. We can never talk about too much warrior. Well, it did not have the buy rate that they <laughs> wanted to, especially when you look at what the 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 buy rate that mania five produced. Fault. Um. You know, it, it, it was a face against face. In the beginning, Vince actually hated this. Pat Patterson was one of the ones that pushed it. He's like, no, we got to do, do it. You guys You want You want a crown. Don't have some heel. like No, do it, in the Pat. do it in the Pat yeah, accent. Just. If you really want to pass the torch, if you want to make it even bigger than what if we you did, want to pass the torch, if, if you want to, if you want to make it even bigger than what you did with Savage, you have to pass the torch. You can't have some shitty heel beat Hogan and then warrior beat that person because everybody's going to be like, what are they going to want in the long run? We want Hogan to face the warrior. So eventually it's going to happen. So Pat Patterson was a big advocate of let's do it now. Let's go to a bigger venue. Uh, let's go to Canada because it's a market that's starving for us. We want to put oh, our presence up there. So, so let's do it. And Pat Patterson booked the match and booked that masterpiece. And, you know, Hogan, a warrior was an excellent match. It really was. <laughs> Mm. Uh, it's probably one of the best of Warrior's career. And it's one of the best of Hogan's career because he had to be the ring general in there. And he legitly had to pass the torch whether he wanted to or not. Whether what people want to say afterwards, listen, no I, I've never been a fan of the Warrior. But I don't believe this after, you know, aftermarket jargon of, oh, we knew we knew it right then. It wasn't going to work. Oh, bullshit. Shut up. Like, stop it right now. Like, people, Warrior was over at the time. As much as I hate to he admit was. it. He I, was. I, I, yeah. hated, I hated watching Hogan always- get pinned clean. But it was... It was the time, no matter what it had to happen. And I think maybe, just maybe, and this is, again, I, I'm in such a good mood because you guys have been saying such good things about Hogan up to this point. Uh, um, have just, we, though? Just maybe if the whole locker room wasn't out to sabotage the Warrior, maybe his run would have been successful. Maybe if you didn't have people back there always shitting on him, like always okay. trying to. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Listen, all right. listen. All right. They, Hold he on. wasn't going to get over. He wasn't going to get over in the same organic manner that Hogan got over in '84. That was never going to happen because now you're part of this big machine that's running yes. forward. Vince had yes. to. Vince had to make. So what did Vince he, do when Vince hired Hogan wait, wait, wait. in '84? What did Vince do? <sighs> Vince set the room for him. Vince okay, is like, we don't need to guy. go backwards. We, well, that's Vince, what I'm saying. The, no, the, the, the room that Vince, Vince realized I wanted more guys, Hogan's. I wanted more than one Hogan. No, wait, wait. Do, do you? Hold on. Do you know what Jess is trying to do here? What? Do you guys understand what Jess is trying to do? No. All right, tell me. He's trying to use the whole, hey, you know, the Warrior was really great. He hadn't been going for him. I, he wasn't really great. I never said he was really I, great. I, I, but, you oh. know, I got to tell you, you know, it was so organic with Hogan. And the hard part is all you can do is agree with him because here's the deal. Because it's true. Because uh, I'm, I'm totally going to go off and I'm going to totally defend Jess, because Jess is saying, "Hey, maybe maybe I'm wrong." I'm like, "No, Jess, you're totally right." I'm going to defend Jess's whole basis because you create what you create in the back, and the warrior created animosity and a lot of issues and a lot of bullshit that didn't need to be there. First of all, and the warrior, as much as me and Cuz love him, couldn't wrestle. Bottom line, he couldn't carry. He, he couldn't hard. do what he needed to do. And those, he he worked hard, bro. <laughs> OWF as definition, he's shit. And it's really sad because WrestleMania six to me on pay-per-view was, it was an iconic moment for me as a kid, but for the health of the business down the line, it was, it was detrimental to it because warrior could not sustain 
uh, what what Hulk Hogan could sustain for those those several years before that. And this is the decline of the rock and roll era. It starts here. And I, I hate to be a dick, but it's it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. And so War Jess, you proved your point. You you put you you <laughs> you set it up perfectly. I knocked it down for you. You're welcome. Moved on to the next segment. Please. I mean, I'm right uh, about everything. I, <laughs> I mean, really. I just I, I just know, said you were right. Hulkamania. Move forward. There you go. It, Move forward. That's, I, but it's it's true. In I hindsight, to, well, it's, it's I, I, true. I hated the warrior as you, growing up, as you guys all know. Like, I really despised him. <laughs> but when you're looking back on it, I don't know that, look, you were never going to get a second Hulk Hogan, ever. Like, it, And I think Vince knew that, it's but fair. I think Vince at that time didn't do a good enough job of setting the... You're, maybe you're right. Maybe the Warrior had such a shitty attitude that he, he brought that negativity on. You have but, you have to carry the locker or, room with you, Jess, or, in my opinion. But. Or an aging, bitter Hulk Hogan helped set that when he left take a break why do you why do you have to do this he's not that he's not good enough he's not me he's gonna fail you'll see so if that stage was set for hogan like when he came aboard which there was no way to because he just took a company from that that's fine that's fine but prove hogan wrong you're right right i I can't say that like what you said either like that wasn't true that he was negative warrior and he didn't want to learn more and and I, i get it i get it I do, I do see that 100%. I, I do agree with you more than you think. but And I agreed with you 100% uh, 30 years ago, Jess. But, you know, now I'm just looking back going, look, it's about business at this point. Listen, if you're going to go out of the way to cleanly beat your cash cow since 1984 at the biggest show of the year, then you should continue to set the stage for that guy to be successful. It just didn't happen that way. And maybe it's because Hogan ended up coming back in the summer. I just talked about the earthquake thing. And when he came back, Hogan instantly overshadows the warrior, but he was never the same Hogan here. I don't think after losing, seeing it, even as a fan, when I watched him get pinned clean, he was different when he came back. I felt he was mortal, even though he got the name immortal. Like at that point, like (laughs) I felt he was super mortal. I was like, wow, like, I'm not saying that I wanted to see him go undefeated forever because I think that would have gotten dry and it was already kind of getting dry. When at this do point. you, yeah, when do you pull but, the plug? But yeah. man, after, even as a fan, I was so bummed, but I was like, I saw him get pinned, if if that makes any sense. Like I saw, I, I saw somebody, a hero of mine, cleanly get pinned and he was the guy that was never pinnable before and slammed Andre and did all this stuff and, you know, beat Macho Man and got his title back and everything. It was just so crazy to me. So I, I I always think now that I'm older, I want to think more of the business aspect of it back then because that's super interesting to me. I don't know. Like, did Hogan set the stage for it to be sabotage for Warrior? Or Dave, you make great points. Uh, it's funny we switched roles because you were a Warrior fan. Uh, like, but maybe he was a negative piece of shit and didn't do anything to help himself. I I, I can agree with that too. I just think that man, like, hey Jess, do yourself a favor and plug Sting out of that spot. And tell me what you think would happen. Well, it's funny because similar, not to get off on a tangent, but the similar thing was happening on the other program. You know, he beats Flair and they don't set the stage well for him either. They give him the goddamn Black Scorpion. That's not, All right? that's not like, Sting's you know, fault. That is so not Sting's fault. I do side with Warrior on that too. You're right. The talent is totally different with Sting and the Warrior. Totally different. But at the same time, like, I don't know, man. Like They're out to get him. I love Hogan. and and But at the same time, like when he came back here, 
In July of 1990, Hogan addressed the WWF and stated that he would not retire, but instead return at SummerSlam 90 to face the disgusting, shitty earthquake that tried to put him out. Uh, the match was anticlimactic and ended with Hogan beating Earthquake by countout. Um, I saw that on several local news outlets after, by the way. I just have to tell you. I, and I agree out? that the Warrior steam, I don't think he want. I think that's Hogan's way of not wanting to hurt Earthquake, that they wanted to keep him, but they really didn't use Earthquake as a single heel after that. If you think about it, after this, Earthquake ends natural up... Natural disasters know, were coming natural, in. Yeah, he kind of flounders for a bit, and then he becomes part of the natural disasters. So... Like it's just really weird. I think they, I I think that was Hogan's way of not wanting to hurt a heel. But even back then, I'm going to be dead honest with you guys. Earthquake should have been fed to the Warrior. Oh yeah, the Warrior. The Warrior got Rick Rude, who he had already beaten before, and they'd already fought each other before. It was no. There's a lot of things that they did here for Hogan, and and I can't blame Vince. Right, he's Hulk Hogan. He's everything that we and, just and, have and Rick about. Rude put on about thirty pounds of muscle at this point, so it looks viable. I get it, and yeah, I'm with you. It, it just I feel like if, again, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make the bed for your future star, you give him the fresh heel. What if Warrior stepped in and said, "I'm gonna defend the honor of Hogan, you sack of shit. You sat on him and put him out. Well, I'm gonna take you out." Ooh, that would have gave one. Warrior a huge advantage over, and people actually would have been like, "Fuck yes, like." Warriors going after this guy. What, what, what if there's what if there's some unspoken media that was rather that said Warriors like I'm not going to wrestle that fat tub of shit. Give me Rick Rude. <laughs> Maybe or he told Tenta Maybe. to I can, I can see. I, I can I, see. I, 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 I don't like fantasy booking, but I'm just throwing it out there. I've always thought. And by know, the way, John John Tenta's we talked about it in our archives. He's a natural born beast. Yeah, he can tough. really hurt you. Yeah. He's so a super I don't know. Wrestler. I don't know. He's I don't want to. I don't want to ramble on if you guys don't think this period of Hogan is worth talking about. But well, you can edit later. I feel there's a lot of stuff like in this 1990 area where I was like, I saw the weakness of him. Seeing him get pinned to me was different. It made him a different Hulk Hogan. Then he gets the fresh new heel, which I can understand why you would want to. But at the same time, your champion that you crowned, not just the one that you made win a tournament at WrestleMania four, and then kind of kept the seat warm while Hogan was gone. You had this guy beat Hulk Hogan and you're not feeding him the fresh new heels for title defenses. Why? Why would you not do that? And and again, like Craig said, why count out? Yeah. I would think, okay, maybe now they're gonna save him for the warrior. No, no. Like it just never happened. There was never it, it was odd to all of it was odd to me. And I'm so I feel disgusting for defending the ultimate warrior. Does it does it make but, you feel like they were they were saving for Hogan Warrior too? I feel that at this point coming, in his didn't work out. in this point in his career, I feel that it's safe to say that now the politics and the stress of the McMahon Hogan relationship started. It did it probably wasn't evident back here, but looking back now they're kind of now Hogan was cleanly beaten. Vince made the clear point. I can put someone over you. So watch it. And Hogan's like, what? Well, you are getting a little older, brother. What? <laughs> like, and I think that that happened a I'm, lot. I'm I'm sick of putting hair on your head and, and uh, reaching yeah. brother. So it, it, it was, uh, like I said, the feud with Earthquake was anticlimactic. Hogan would feud the Earthquake for the rest of 1990 in house shows. In January 1991, Hulk Hogan would win the Royal Rumble match for the second year in a row. This would hey, put Jess, it- can I ask you a question yes. before you get too far? Did you get a Get Well Hogan card? I did write him a letter, but I never got one in return. <laughs> wow. I never got one. Brother. He's a piece of shit. I'll tell you about that one. He's a real... Earthquake stole him. 
I would I would have quit I would have quit the business right there. <laughs> in He's January 1991, uh, Hulk Hogan huh? would win the Royal Rumble match for the second year in a row. This would put him mm-hmm. in a position to challenge the new WWF champion Sergeant Slaughter, who had defeated the Warrior. What, the a, Warrior, great what a great champion! <laughs> who, who ironically had defeated the Warrior earlier in the card to win One the of title. The best. Uh, we uh, Sergeant Slaughter had returned to the WWF just months earlier, but this time it was as an Iraqi or uh, an Iraq sympathizer. Uh, in an attempt to play off the real-life tension between the U.S. and Iraq. However, during the actual Royal Rumble pay-per-view, President George Bush announced that the U.S. was preparing for war and they were actually deploying ground troops to use physical force to remove Iraq from Kuwait. He was over before the pay-per-view started. Well, this instantly hit close to home (laughs) and the storyline fell flat because when people actually thought we were going to war, they were sort of like, "Not, not now. You could do the Russian tension you could do a lot of stuff in wrestling wrestling's always been about stereotypes but now we might actually go to war we didn't know what a little a little too close to the polls right yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> all right I'm they, with you. Uh, unfortunately the wwf pushed on with the storyline anyway they even had sergeant slaughter burn a hulkamania t-shirt on a stick copying real life iraqi soldiers and sympathizers mm. who burned the american like. flags live on television yeah this caught even more backlash However, the WWF continued to push on, feeling that Hogan defeating Slaughter for uh, the title at WrestleMania 7 would give everyone that hero ending. To make matters worse, the event was scheduled to be held at the Los Angeles Coliseum, which was an outdoor venue that easily set up for 80,000 plus fans. However, with a month before the show, the venue had only sold 20,000 tickets. The company was forced to move the event down the street to the LA Sports Arena, which only held 16, 18,000 set up for basketball. The WWF was released. The, the WWF then released a statement saying they moved the venue for security reasons. While part of, while part of that was true, their major issue was lack of ticket sales. Hulk Hogan would defeat Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania Seven to win his third World Wrestling Federation Championship on March the twenty seventh, nineteen ninety one, at WrestleMania Seven. Like I said. This was Hogan's seven straight WrestleMania that he headlined. Or sorry, excuse me. This was Hogan's seven straight WrestleMania, six of which that he headlined. And the thousands of Hulkamaniacs. Irish whip in the big boat. No, no, put it off the right top. The cover. He got him. He got it. What a comeback. He did it for the World Wrestling Federation and for the United States of America. Um, after WrestleMania 7, everything was flat. The Iraqi and U.S. war was over quickly, like Dave just stated, and actually hurt the WWF more in the long run than it helped. Also, this was the first sign that Hulk Hogan's drawing power was weakening. The pay-per-view buy rate was uh, also very low, uh, lower than expected for WrestleMania, and uh, Hogan would defend the title against Slaughter throughout the summer in bootcamp matches to little success in regards to attendance and ratings. So nobody, nobody wants to see Hogan v. Slaughter over the summer. No, ever. I don't think they wanted to see Hogan v. Slaughter, uh, you know, for WrestleMania seven. This was their choice to take the belt off the warrior. It was their choice to go with the hot topic, which was the Iraqi and uh, U.S. T- tension. 
Um, it blew up in his face because it was too close to home. Because the way the media portrayed the Iraq war here uh, was that this is dead serious. You don't really want... Wrestling can mock other things that doesn't hit close to home. But for so, we knew people that were being deployed to Iraq. That we hit did. close to home. And, and I think that's when it turned. Not only was Hogan older and weakening here, but Slaughter was a weak heel. They pushed this on him. When it, it was, got a little too real. When it was just attention, it might have been fine. But when they announced that we're actually going to go deploy ground troops and people are going to die on the U.S. because we're going to push Iraq out of Kuwait, that's when people were like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to enjoy this in wrestling anymore because it's real." I remember, like, it's real. I remember coming home from school, and my dad telling me, "Shut up, we're at war right now," and he's getting the play by play. And it's the way the media, whether the media it. overhyped it or not, probably yeah. yes. Uh, you know, it was it was just what we all felt as as citizens at the time. It was a dark, like heavy blanket. Put over argue, all of us. Well, 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 for kids like us, we were not even there was the Vietnam War was in it was in history books. Right. You know, we never saw war. That was the first real attribute of war that we ever saw, you know, within the realm of our country. And it was scary. It was and scary. It was, in the long run, you look back, it was, we're, total, it was we're, total we're media hype and not even worth we're the We're a little but, bit too much uh, protected, I would yeah. say, because people deal with that shit on the ground level every day. But that was the first thing that anybody on this podcast ever dealt with in the realm of our country is at war. When really, we were just that big shithead bully that went to go pick on a smaller bully that was picking on Kuwait. Right. Yeah, and and now you know. Yeah, you're right. And but at the time, like you said, the media especially was shoving it down everybody's throat. Like, Big oh, time. this is war. Or we're I, at war. This was, this was huge since Vietnam. It was. Yeah, nothing. I think was, Vince, Vince just bit off more than he could chew. I think to Dave's point, yeah. like this was the first conflict since Vietnam, really. So it was the, the seriousness of of it. It's it's different than having German caricatures and Russian caricatures and the Iron Sheik. And honestly, even if if even if for some miraculous reason we got sucked into this superhero story, like the storyline was bad, and I never believed Slaughter really is a credible heel. It was bad from the beginning, with and without the actual media conflict of um, yeah, whether it worked or not. It was Slaughter just all was around super, terrible. Yeah, Slaughter was super aged with a massive beer gut and was winded like after two seconds like of action. Like I didn't believe anything. Like and you, you could you could argue if they did it right, it was better for Warrior and Savage because. Oh, man, imagine can, that main event, or if that, or with for the title, if that, that could have the been title, the, title, yeah. the title match, right? Savage and Warrior. I just was talking about this. This was one of the greatest things for Warrior was Savage match. and having those matches. They were great. Yeah, and it was just to the point, like why, <laughs> why can't you put the belt? I I back? hate as a fan looking back and saying like, you know what, you shouldn't have taken the title off the Warrior. You just shouldn't have, like. Not for buy rate, no. Yeah, well, back and back here, the world title was important too because you could easily look back and be like, "Well, how come Hogan and Slaughter couldn't have just fought in a boot camp match for the honor of America and Savage uh, challenge the Warrior for the world title?" Yeah, you can look back and say that, and you're right, of course. Looking back in in retrospect, that's, that's that fair. should have happened, yeah. but it didn't happen, and they wanted to put the title yeah. on Hogan. And like I said, Hogan was showing weakness. He had been beaten clean. That got in his psyche. Him and Vince had a stressed relationship at this point because Vince was showing him that, like, look, I'll move on. I'll move on anytime I want to. Like, and that's kind of like a from 84 to here. It's like 
all the stuff that we talked about and the milestones they hit and everything it i can understand you know you want to shit on hogan's politics sometimes but i can understand if you were that athlete and you were that guy and then all of a sudden your biggest supporters like maybe i will move on hogan's like what what like so then yeah hogan's gonna come back and start pushing his weight around a little bit nope like i'm gonna i think we should do this and i think we should do that i'm not saying it became good because Hogan would get very selfish in years to come. But at the same time, like I can understand that like as an athlete that doesn't want to see themselves yet as yesterday's news in his mind, I'm still today's news, man. Yeah, like, they still I'm want still, that limelight, but, like, I just filmed Suburban Commando, brother. Yeah, like, brother. you know what I mean? He's hmm. just I'm Hollywood, yeah. brother. That's that's nothing to be proud of. <laughs> so Hogan's physical physique began to decline at this time as well. Accusations of steroid abuse in the WWF were starting to become public. It seemed Hogan was getting off the cycle, if you catch my drift. I I, I don't believe it. Due to his uh, flatter appearance, uh, former <laughs> WWF wrestlers began to come forward, saying steroid use is apparent and a big part of the World Wrestling Federation and encouraged by Vince McMahon and other WWF officials. Superstar Billy Graham, to name a specific person, said he injected Hogan with a needle several times himself. Hogan appeared on the Arsenio Hall show in mid-1991 and attempted to address the accusations. He claimed he never used steroids, and the people who came forward were just jealous and he had that he had the top spot, so they were jealous of it. He also I believe accused, him. I believe <laughs> he him. Also, okay. He also accused the to media... This day. He also accused the media of believing false accusations, but running with the story anyway. Was this 1991 or 2021? I know. Um, Whoa! <laughs> really, it's like we've been having this problem for years with the media. Um... um. Basically, the inferences or the speculation said, well, all you gotta do is take a pill or take a shot in the butt every day to get to look like Hulk Hogan. And basically, I've trained 20 years. I'm 38, 37, I'll be 38 in a couple months. Oh my God, why'd I say that? But I've, tra- <laughs> I've trained 20 years, two hours a day to look like I do. Mm-hmm. But the things that I am not is I'm not a steroid abuser mm-hmm. and I do not use steroids. Mm-hmm. But so forever. that's a big, that's a big thing. You know, uh, Craig has talked about this before, too. He and I sort of differed in opinions on this. I really think that in a combination of Hogan getting older and and just kind of forcing himself at the top of the book here and these accusations, I really think that the parents of these children's when they heard that this golden god Hulk Hogan was being accused of taking steroids, I think no matter what he said, and think about it, too. He went on the Arsenio Hall show. Arsenio Hall show was popular in a certain. It was dem- big. He was a certain demographic at a certain time at night. These people who were doing accusations were on daytime talk shows, nighttime talk shows, uh, sports shows, uh, CNN, everything. Hulk Hogan was just on Arsenio Hall. Listen, he was Arsenio Hall was big for the time in a certain demographic with a certain group of people, but Arsenio Hall did not have the reach of Oprah, Phil Donahue, uh, Larry King. And all these How, act, oh, all these idiot. people that all these people were accusing Hogan on all of those outlets. So more people heard that this guy who was wholesome, take your vitamins, say your prayers, play it straight, you know, was was taking roids. That I think got around the horn a lot more than Hogan's bullshit lie on Arsenio Hall of like I don't even know what steroids are. <laughs> Is it water? Like I, I just it was you know it's just fucking stupid and. That came back to haunt him. I think that more than anything started the decay of Hulkamania in 91. It was a big portion of we saw him get being clean uh, almost a year earlier. 
We also saw just him getting old. His shtick was getting tired. Uh, the yellow and red, yeah. the hulking up, the kicking. This is the second ladder. So it's He's multi layers here, right? The the mainstream media and the the mainstream the non casual wrestling or the casual wrestling fans, I should say, were getting sick of him, and now they're hearing that he might be a druggie on top of it and cheating. Which cheating what? But anyway, um, and then you had the hardcore wrestling fans that are like, "You're boring me as a professional wrestler." So you had double attack on him at this point wearing his legacy down wearing him down people just got tired of seeing hulk hogan and then he gets off the roids because he kind of has to to cover his own ass and he starts looking flabby and not like a hulk and not dwarfing lou Ferrigno, and not everything that we said earlier like an hour ago <laughs> like a goddamn hour ago on this podcast like he's not that guy anymore i really can't stress that enough that we didn't know that as kids right but like looking back now man like this was Again, I'm not trying to sympathize with him because he's done some dick moves behind the scenes, Hogan has. But at the same time, like, you're the top guy. You're the biggest wrestler ever on a national level. And, that and now this is happening. It's like you had this dream from 84, but now it's turning into this nightmare. And then you have your boss, the guy who was in the trenches with you going, I don't care if you leave. I kind of would rather you leave. Probably why he got like, selfish, you know, It's like, oh, like. He saw yeah, that you know, away like from him, so now I'm selfish. There's a lot of heat on me. You know, there's a lot of heat on me, Hogan. And I kind of would, I kind of say, I want to fuck you. Like, I want you to go. Like, and Hogan's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, we were the kings, right? Like, we were, you know what I mean? Go ahead, go, sorry. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say, he came from, like, humble beginnings as far as, you know, he got his leg broken. He fucking persevered, toughed it out, trained. And then, he, you know, he did all of his touring of all over, you know, the uh, uh, Japan and and working in all these other promotions, AWA and everything, to be in WF, leave WF, come back to WF, make your name for yourself. He got so absorbed by the spotlight and all the attention he was getting, and he loved it. And once he started seeing it slip away, it was like, at any means necessary, brother, I'm keeping that. Even if I have to be a selfish dick, brother. Like, he didn't want to lose that. Kind, you know? When you kind you of look back, you that. sort of don't blame, you recognize what he did, you know, negatively here, but you kind of don't blame him. No, that's You're what I'm like, saying. Well, that's basically what I'm saying is like he had, all, you know, he had these humble beginnings. He did it the yeah. right way. Uh, he came up and then all of a sudden he saw all of that slipping away from him, you know, whether some of it was his fault or not. But yeah, he, he didn't want to lose that no more. And so, yeah, you, you can see why someone might start doing some of the things he did backstage. It's like, you went through all that. You got so high up. It's like now I see it slipping away from me. I don't want to lose that. <laughs> got so accustomed yeah. to it. But it's fine. Do you want to know yeah. why? Because whoa, because in the fall of 1991, Ric Flair had entered the WWF and brought the NWA title Nobody with him. Nobody likes him. Hardcore fans were convinced that we're finally going to get the goddamn motherfucking dream match we've been waiting Ooh. for. This is going to revitalize Hulkamania. This is what we're waiting for here. Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania. Gee, it's got to happen. Yes. It has yes. to happen. Dave, it's going to yes. happen, Dave. Yes. No. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the two would, however, <laughs> collide at a handful of house shows to test the markets and major markets. Uh, no But bueno. they met average results. Um, they were even confronting each other average. on syndicated television, which was telling the audience that it was going to happen. Then, nothing happened. In closing... What are you going to do, Hulk Hogan, when Ric Flair runs wild on you? Let me tell you something. To put that so-called real world title, Ric Flair, against the real WWE 
Hogan, you will find out, Ric Flair. Not only will the thousand nothing happened with Hogan and Flair. Uh, things to okay. begin. Uh, things began to become strained with Hogan and Vince during this time. In late 1991, at Survivor Series, Hogan would lose the World Wrestling Federation Championship to the Undertaker. Just days Good. later, at the Good Tuesday in Texas pay per view, fuck you. Just days later, at the <laughs> Tuesday in Texas pay per view, uh, Hogan would regain the title for his fourth uh, reign. This time, it would be stripped away just days later by that asshole Jack Tunney. Um, Hogan would fail to recapture the World Championship at the Royal Rumble 1992 when he was eliminated from the match when Sid Justice came from behind and dumped him over the top rope. Hogan would then grab Sid's arm, allowing Ric Flair to dump Sid over from behind and win the title himself. The big takeaway from that... I was love when, you, Rick. <laughs> the big takeaway from that was when Hogan helped pull Sid out, the crowd turned on him and began to boo. Yeah. Since it was a live pay-per-view... WWF could do nothing but sit back and watch as their top star for the past eight years got booed. He said you robbed me of my title. These guys want at each other. Terry Garvin out there, Pat Patterson, Renee Goulet, Tony Garia. People were growing tired of Hulk Hogan. And they love Sid too. It's like the 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 dents in the armor continued to go. I don't think they like Sid over Hogan. I think it was this point where he visually looked amazing, Sid, which how he could get away with it, I don't know. Um Hogan had to get off roids, but any hoozle. Um, like apparently Sid got a free pass for fucking five minutes. That softball kept him in shape. Yeah. Just. Jesus. So, uh, but Sid, yeah. Seeing Sid neck with his massive fucking 25 inch traps and shit like that. Like, I mean, next to a deflated Hogan, it, he wasn't Hogan anymore and people were tired of it. And I'll never forget watching that live on pay-per-view at everybody over at my house. And he got booed. And that was like the first time. They'd always sweeten crowd with syndicated televisions before, but they could do nothing about him here. And I think Vince had already tried to detach himself from Hogan, but still, he was the cash cow for the last eight years for the World Wrestling Federation. And then seeing that happen, seeing him, and we talked about it at the review of the Royal Rumble, Hogan's face when he got booed, he couldn't hide it. Hogan was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. And to the point where I told the story on that uh, podcast as well, he got to the back, according to Sid, he got to the back screaming and motherfucking Vince to death going, you guys did this on purpose. You knew booking me like this would get me booed. You guys are trying to sabotage me. That just shows the fractured relationship between Vince and Hogan at this point. The dynamic duo that took the world in 1984 and did all this stuff and Saturday Night Live, and WrestleMania and pop culture and Mr. T and Andre and everything, everything that you did, the Macho Man storyline, everything. And now it ends like this, like where it's ending, I should say, like this. It's it's sad. It really is sad. Like when I think about it, even as a Hogan fan, I'm like, God damn, this this is sad. Like business is slipping, steroid accusations, Hogan's losing his grip. Vince is like, I don't want I don't want to talk to you. I don't want anything to do with you, as a matter of fact. And Hogan's like, Are you wow? Like it's harsh. I think Vince had to do it, right? But it's what ended up happening. Uh Let's see here. On April 5th of 1992, Hulk Hogan would headline his seventh out of eight WrestleMania appearances at WrestleMania 8. This would be the final time that Hulk Hogan would ever main event a WrestleMania. 
So we thought. Uh, Hulk Hogan defeated Sid Justice by disqualification and be saved from a double team attack by the returning Ultimate Warrior. Yes! He'll never get him up! He'll never get him up! He got him! That's the first time Justice has been down! Hulkster looking to drop the leg! He did! It's all over! No, 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 no! Get that little creep out of there! Oh, that's fair. That's real fair. Hulk Hogan would then have to take one year off from the WWF. In his book, he cited burnout, but it was actually from the scrutiny of the steroid accusations, conflict with Vince, and the outcome of the Royal Rumble, where Hogan accused Vince of purposely booking the ending in such a way that Hogan would be guaranteed to get booed. Um, go ahead. I mean, the way, I mean, the way they booked uh, the the run up to this Mania match with Sid. I was looking back to, uh, today. I forgot that like Sid would beat up all the prelims and like put them on gurneys and then run them to the ring and like yeah, run them to the stairs and shit. He would kill everyone on his path on the way to Hogan. Uh, it, so, I mean, maybe they yeah. pivoted or whatever. It certainly didn't seem like they did it on purpose. Um, to Sid motherfuck Hogan was, the- not, was not earthquake is what I would say. And when you put someone like that up against Hogan, who's older deteriorating, Balding, that's horrible. No, I think you're right. Was, I think you're both right. I think it was it, Hogan it, it's was a natural yeah. draw to go to Sid that Vince and Hogan were not expecting. Bro, it's been eight years. Yeah, it Turn has it been. Over. It really and at the speed that they're doing when you're on a national level, time goes by quicker. You know, you look at Bruno Sammartino sure. and he held the title for nine years at one point. But that's in, that's in a territory where they could protect him. You know, it, everything here, Hogan was touring the country. He was on a national level. People saw him on network television. They saw him on, on, on different media. They saw him on talk shows. They, he was eight years, man, like to get your burnout. And then you start not looking yeah. like the Hulk. I can't stress about how he didn't look like himself anymore. That was yeah. also like a huge thing. Uh, during the time that he was gone, the WWF majorly changed gears. All his big money draws were Vince's. All his big money draws were either leaving or getting too old to move the needle anymore. Uh, Vince had, (laughs) pun intended, uh, Vince had to go with smaller, more athletic wrestlers to quiet the steroid whispers. So Hulk Hogan did not come back until February of 1993. Here comes Brett. Yeah. February of 1993, Hulk Hogan made his WWF return on the new live television show called Monday Night Raw. This would be his only live Raw appearance. (laughs) This would be his only live Raw appearance until his return in 2002, by the way. Um, when Hogan appeared, the live New York crowd gave him a huge, loud, so-so reception. Whoa. Yes, they clapped out of respect, but it wasn't the normal jump up and down reaction that he was used to getting. Something was not right. This is not right. Also, he didn't, also he didn't look like Hulk Hogan. He had lost about 25 pounds of muscle. He was in great shape, but didn't have the Hulk physique that he was known for. Different than the flabby Hogan. He came back here. Dave often compliments him yeah, on his deep. shape here because he got skinnier. He was like only 275, 270 pounds here. Only. Yeah, shape of his life, but he was, opinion. but he didn't look like a Hulk at this point. He just looked like a guy who was in good shape. And I think again, different than the deflated Hogan that we saw at the end of 92, where he was flabby, he comes back yeah. more defined here, yeah. but definitely smaller than a Hulk should be. He was old. Shredded. I, I can't so. say he was old because we're going to, we're not going to cover it on this podcast but because he God goes damn, on man. to <laughs> redefine wrestling again yeah. but i mean like 
God, he was dude. not that we're talking about this first run. It was over. It was painfully over here. Uh, so he got a, a, a lukewarm response from the crowd live on Monday Night Raw here in uh, New York and Manhattan Center. Um, he didn't look like Hogan, like I said. Uh, Jimmy Hart was also now his manager, which he had turned face a couple weeks before. And that turned the fans off as well. Why did Hulk Hogan need a fucking manager? Like, so I'm just singing the same thing. Everything I forgot about that. Kind of, Why? Yeah. Everything is just sort of like when he returned, it was like, let's make him look purposely different and less appealing than he was when you loved him nine years before. Um, at, I mean, any, at any rate, though, you, you could say he's a heel, but Samoa Joe ever require management? No, but he was no. he's super athletic, though, too. Um, well, I'm just saying, like, you're a heel, you need a manager. That's not true. Hogan, Hogan can hold himself on the microphone is what I'm saying, but right? He, I, he never needed it. Never I, needed at it. any rate, I want you to calm down because, God damn oh, it, Hulk sorry. Hogan was back. So surely well, he, was. he would be majorly involved yeah, in was. WrestleMania and would cut a promo in front of the live rock crowd stating that he was back to team with, where's fucking beefcake, the Challenge yeah. Money Incorporated for the World Tag Titles at Mania. Wait, Both what? brothers forever. You're yeah. excited for that, brother. It, like, like now it's like what? He's a tag wrestler now. Okay, He's like me and Andre uh, at WrestleMania three. <laughs> yeah, Hulk Hogan goes away for a year and then returns to tag team wrestle. So this is all deflating and disappointing at this point. On April fourth, nineteen ninety three, at WrestleMania nine, the Mega Maniacs would fucking lose to Money Incorporated by disqualification <laughs> in a slow, horrible match that showed the rust of both oh, Hogan and WrestleMania Beefcake. WrestleMania nine, good grief! Yeah, so that's it. Hulk Hogan returns after a year away, and then he fucking loses a tag match. Awesome. The main event of WrestleMania nine, totally unrelated. The main of the main event of <laughs> WrestleMania nine saw Yokozuna pin Bret Hart to win the WWF Championship. Then Hulk Hogan runs down. Tells the referee that Mr. Fuji cheated and threw salt into Bret Hart's eyes. Mr. Fuji then uh, got on the mic and issued fucking a challenge heel. to Hulk Hogan. My Yokozuma, if you get in the ring, if you get in the ring, you yellow belly. I think he called him a yellow belly. Ending. The crowd wants it to go for but then Fuji reaching back into his kimono there. And it's got more than salt or whatever. Oh, If you get in the ring right now, I'll put my WWF championship on the line. Hulk Hogan accepts, gets into the ring. Fuji throws more salt. Hogan ducks, hits Yoko by accident. Leg drop, one, two, three. Hulk Hogan defeated Yokozuna in 20 seconds to win his fifth World Wrestling Federation Championship. And Aside the parking from Hulk lot of Caesars Palace went wild. <laughs> yes. Aside from Hulk, yeah, the smallest. The hundreds of people, yeah, right, Greg? The, the yeah. smallest attempt at WrestleMania in history. Uh, to this day, still, by the way, only 16,000 people. We had friends that were there. Yeah, one friend. He used to be oh. a friend. Uh, Whoa. Aside- <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> aside from Hulk Hogan working some tag team matches at TV tapings for home video releases, he never defended the title or appeared on Raw after winning the title. He made a tour of New Japan Pro Wrestling where he faced the great Muda in a WWF champion versus IWGP champion ship match where he called the WWF championship belt a toy that he could win and lose anytime that he pleased. Whoa. 
He also accused Yokozuna of taking of wanting to win the world championship to take it back to Japan. And Hogan did that same thing by winning the title from Yokozuna at WrestleMania night and going to Japan to fight the great Muda. Huh? Like it just gets better and better. Um, uh, he only appeared at pre-taped interviews from that point on uh, from the set of Thunder in Paradise to advertise his upcoming title defense rematch. From the against set of Yoko- Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. 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 It's a great show, Craig. To advertise his upcoming rematch against Yokozuna at the upcoming first ever King of the Ring pay-per-view on June 13th of 1993, Yokozuna would defeat Hulk Hogan to recapture the WWF World Championship at King of the Ring thanks to a camera exploding in Hogan's face. He would go on oh. to the WWF European tour for a couple months afterwards, rematching Yokozuna for the, excuse me, rematching Yokozuna for the title, but usually only winning by DQ or count out. And just like that, the nine year historic run came to a bitter close. That's where we're going to end the subject matter of this uh, coverage of Hulk Hogan. This ends his first legendary WWF title run that made him Hulk Hogan, that made him the yellow and red god. That made him everything. We we're gonna cover in more. I wanted to cover this portion in our 100th episode because this was the meat that made him Hulk Hogan. It was the time that he hosted Saturday Night Live. I keep going back to that, but I, I don't think people really understand how significant that was. Not until we, not until we got to The Rock later, where when he hosted Saturday Night Live, did you understand that somebody was breaking above that ceiling and becoming part of pop culture and mainstream uh, and the casual wrestling fan. Uh, he did so much in his nine years. And I'm not saying that just as a fan. Nine, He's the reason why years. I've been watching wrestling. Like, I don't nine, know what else to say years, like about nine him. Years, you're you're j- just under a decade. That's a long time. Yeah. Wow. And I don't, I, again, you guys all are tired of me, you know, singing his praises for years, but I've been an equal Hogan, like critiquer for the last hater. few years. You're a Hogan um, hater. Well, especially after he just does Hey, look, I, I don't know him personally. And like, I can tell you all the times I've met him live. He's been magnanimous. Craig actually got him to record for my wife and I for our wedding to oh, congratulate yeah. us. Craig, Craig, by chance, ran into Craig was the best man at my wedding. And Craig, uh, by chance, ran into him at an airport of all places and said, look, my, my buddy Jess is getting married and he loves you and he's been a fan of yours forever. If you could just say something into this recorder, like congratulations, Jess and Elizabeth. That's my wife. It's Macho Man Elizabeth. I married Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank goodness she's still with us. Um, so Craig had him do it, and he did it. He'd be great. Craig said he looked like shit, and this is when he was going through. The word was, he said, he said, of course I will. Of yeah. course I will. He actually yeah, he, did. He did not waver. He was, uh, it was he was going through nice his divorce here, right? He, wasn't he divorcing yeah. Linda at this point or whatever? His son like, was uh, with him, and Jimmy Hart was with him. Yeah, I remember him. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, every, oh. every time I've encountered him, whether it was a, a autograph signing or seeing him live, he was always magnanimous with the crowds. Uh, we're not. We're gonna get. This isn't really his politically most damaging. You know, I don't. I don't know if you guys want to get into the whole politics where where he did kind of screw Brett here, and ninety three was not a good look for him. And you know, it, he's got way worse political shit that we're gonna talk about when we finally do do a part two or cover his W. WCW legacy. It got worse, folks. It got really bad. If you think any of his politics in the first nine years that we just covered right now was bad, you ain't seen you shit wait. yet until yeah. he gets in WCW. You fucking wait. Um, I I don't. Part of me still defends him to this day. I get mad at him for some of the personal choices that he did, for some of the stupid fucking things that he said, knowing that people have a fucking recording device in their pocket at all times and a camera. And uh, I get irritated with him a lot, and uh, because I think that. 
somebody who was influenced my life so much when I was a kid. I was 10 years old when I first laid my eyes on him and I started watching professional wrestling because of this guy. And he was, I defended him, Craig and Dave and even cuz and Joe, if he was here can attest that I was blindly defending him at a lot of points, even in his shittiest part in WCW where he was getting booed loudly as the yellow and red guy. I was still like, no, no. Like I was still hanging on to him. I have he pledged got, he my allegiance moved, he for got him later on a higher level. Amazing. I, I pledged my allegiance to him for so long, and it was because of this portion yeah. that we covered, this nine years, maybe take away a year because he got really bad in 93. But like it, <laughs> it, it, he crossed so many lines in, in the best way possible. He made it possible to where, dare I say, I know Cuz wouldn't be a wrestling fan because I introduced Cuz to pro wrestling, yeah. and I'm not like bragging, yeah. but if I didn't watch Hulk Hogan and get so passionate about pro wrestling, I might never have passed it on to my siblings, which they don't really care about wrestling, but I tried to pass it on to them. And then my cousins who uh, you and Jonathan still yeah. love for wrestling uh, to this day. Uh, I don't know if Steven does or not, no. but I mean like, um, <laughs> no, but, uh, but like, I mean like it, it, because I watched him and because I, I fell in love with him for lack of a better phrase. Like I continued, I fell in love with other professional wrestlers like Savage and, and, you know, like uh, Jake and all those other guys, Heart Foundation and all those guys, you know, like I, uh, what do you say? It's so far in the past now. I mean, God damn, I've been watching him for 34 years. I'm almost 44. I'm so old. And it, now people, people's legend now is the rock and Stone Cold era. And rightfully so, man, like what a great time to be alive and a professional wrestler in the Attitude Era. But I was lucky enough to come along in his era, Hogan's. And, uh, I can't describe to you the magic. I The first time I ever saw him live was LA Sports Arena in January, February. It, it was closer to March of 92, right before WrestleMania 8, where he was fizzing out Hogan. But there was, of the 16,000 seats that were in the LA Sports Arena for a house show, there was at least 12,000 people there, no problem. And the ovation that he got when he came out, it was him and Piper against Sid and Flair. The ovation that he got, I never heard anything like that in my life. It shook the building. And his in, the energy, and I saw him at the end of his run there in '92. That was when he was not as what he was. I can only imagine being in Madison Square Garden when he beat Sheik. I can only imagine being there when he slammed Andre, when he beat Savage, when he fought the Warrior. And I can only imagine like the 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 building would physically shake. We've been right. in the arena with Austin's huge pops and the Rock, and Hogan was the yeah. first guy that hit that level, and they they did surpass him. They did, or the Rock especially. You know, but like, I mean, Hogan set this. It was like a star. It was a Hollywood star walking in. And when I saw him in 92, I couldn't describe like there was other people on the card too, famous wrestlers that got huge. But when he came out, it was I couldn't hear like I I could not hear. And like he would literally look, just look to a corner and that whole section of the crowd would stand up like and just cheer like and almost pass out like they would cheer so loud. Like it was crazy. Like the control he had. I don't know because the years are passing by so fast. I don't know if anybody really appreciates his first eight year, nine year run anymore. I don't know if they do. I think it's sad. Well, I think it's sad. Like, because to live through it was special. It was so fucking special. The end of you is not possible without those nine years. I mean, well, no, you're right. You're right. But I mean, I'm, yeah, these, these nine years, like everything, even though I didn't start watching, start watching wrestling till late 87, early 88, 
I would go back and rent all the tapes. I watched WrestleMania three. I watched WrestleMania two, WrestleMania one, and I watched a bunch of Coliseum home videos where they had all of his his house show defenses against Bundy and Stud and Piper and Orndorff, and we watched the big events. And you know, man, like I, he still he does not get enough credit anymore for like the lines that he crossed and Vince too, for that matter. Uh, what they did. It's easy to look in yeah. 2021 eyes and be like, oh, Hogan's way fucking old. Like, I don't even remember him anymore. And that's like, I mean, that's it's sad. sad. It's getting towards that. Because it, 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 it's generational. It's like, you don't, in our hearts, he he controls the beginnings of when we fell in love with wrestling. I, I, I remember these at nine years more than I remember everything after this. And I remember yeah. each of the storylines and they were more meaty. Everything after this and when he went to WCW, it becomes a blur. And it all becomes to intersect with each other and the feuds just mix in with each other. But these first nine years, I remember all of it. And But I think you're right, Jess. People don't respect this first run and people are forgetting it each and every year. Just like we didn't give any credit to like San Martino's huge run or remember Gorgeous George's kind of thing. Like he Hogan's at this point now when he shows up, people are like, just like, who's that old dude in the middle of the ring that's doing a vignette? Which is super, super sad. It's just like, we're getting older and the audience is like, is getting younger. Yeah. It, which is crazy, but there's he's no way that. he's, he's not on Rushmore. He's no, he, he's no way he's not. Think of the level, yeah. Automatically. Well, think of the level that they're on now too. They're a nat, they're a publicly traded company. Yeah. They yeah. have Fox throwing $1.3 billion at them for a TV deal. I, I know this sounds cliche, how do you not say it wasn't off the back of Hulk Hogan? Of course it fucking well, was. It, it was, was. You, like all of it well, is. All Jess, of it is. To, all of it is. Just to argue the where you're going with that, and we're not quite into the Hogan WCW reign, but Hogan's nostalgia crosses into that Generation Z timeline where we didn't have technology of social media, but we grew into it. And everybody on this, maybe with the exception to Cuz, and that's not a bad thing, Cuz. I'm not trying to dock it. It's, it's where you're born. We dealt with life without social media and then grew yeah. into it and said, so This yeah. is social media. And Hogan is a part of that. Granted, it's after this eight year reign. And <laughs> you can you can argue that Hogan either, you know, Indirectly or directly, he took advantage of that. It, it worked out for him, and this is where the Gen Zs go. Hey, this is it, it's everyone on the, pretty much everyone on this podcast goes. Hey, you know this is where someone like Hogan can totally go. Yeah, I I took advantage of this when I was young and I was athletic and I was huge, and now, well, if I want to extend this, how do I do that? And the answer is social media and he was right along that 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 crest of that new technology coming in and this is where hogan i know we'll talk about it on another date but hogan totally takes that and pushes it into a whole other realm of volcomania he'll work inside but it's it's pretty incredible it, it's amazing it, and yeah and I don't, you can't discount it. my my point of this just to do this part here too even without that second half, when you look at the eight yeah. or nine year run that he had, like, sure. how is, I mean, you know, I think it was Craig, you just said you made him out Rushmore uh, reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, oh, oh, that puts that puts him on it. Just this first eight years puts him on it. Like people don't grasp 
the concept anymore of, yeah, social media kind of splinters everything now because you don't have to, like back here, there was no social media. And so you had to focus. So yeah, for 33 exactly. million people to watch Hogan versus Andre or, you know, give a massive buy rate to Mania 5 or whatever, like is, is something that, again, The Rock's TV show that just debuted, The Young Rock, yeah, five million viewers, and now that's considered Good. success because you know so there's so many different avenues to stream things. There's yeah. so TVs, much whatever. out there to watch. So, but I mean, like, back you know. then, like you had to watch like one thing, and people chose when Hogan was on the screen to gravitate towards him, and I think that's so powerful. We will never see The Rock is kind of a product of just everything he's been working on for years, right? After The Rock, I don't know of any. How how do you become so big where everybody knows you, right? Like because everything there's so many different streams, so many different avenues. If you don't want to watch this, you can watch that. If you don't, if you're not into this, you can watch that. Stream it right now. Like so, you don't have to like look at everything at once. Like Super Super Bowl is probably the last thing I think that everybody wants to watch like every year. And that's I don't know how much longer that's going to last, right? Like so, you just kind of. Back in this day, it was like when people watched something, everybody watched it. And like it was just kind of he was just as big, like I said before, as Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, as far as, oh, I don't like pro wrestling, but I know I know Hogan. I know him. That's you. You. I don't think you've ever heard except for The Rock, right? You've never heard. You've never heard of that ever. ever. Because you were in the moment. You were actually able to live in the moment. And Hogan made some great moments. Yeah. Maybe uh, you know, I I, th- I think this way that uh, as big and as epic as his first nine years was, I think it was just the warm up, brother. For what Whoa! Was to come. And we can leave it at that. Yeah. Dave, take us out. <laughs> huh? Perfect, perfect oh. ending. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And anything we talk about is inspired by the WWE Network. So do yourself a favor and get your free month to talk about anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. Watch I gave you the night off. I gave you the goddamn night off. And more. It's been a long episode, my friends. This is Dave, Jess, Cuz, and Craig with the OWP signing off. Have a great
Yeah.